What's up, everybody? Welcome to Flagrant. Today, this episode is long overdue. Mm. This guest is one of, I would say, the show's favorite people on the planet. We yep. almost ruined his career by doing a fun <laughs> little song in Miami. We feel absolutely horrible about it. We started culture with this man. We changed the name of giant titties to the heavies with this man. We got Jelly Roll in the motherfucking building. Let's go, Jelly! Jelly, tell us how we almost, I mean, you were on this like superstar trajectory that, yes, you have gotten to now. Now, but it almost came to a screeching halt after one day with us. Tell us this how is happened. a true story. I almost got canceled before I popped because it just tried just being your fucking friend, really. <laughs> fucking riding with the homie, just like whatever. You know what I'm saying? And the sad part is, instead of getting canceled, I feel like we should have got an award. We kind of single handedly opened the country up. I yeah. think so. Like literally, in the so. middle of time where people were spraying Lysol with boxes, we were having pool parties yep. and bragging about it on TV. <laughs> and trying to convince people it was the way to go. That's it. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> Looking back, that was wild. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it was we were in Florida, and like no one in Florida took it seriously. So yeah. like, all right, let's just write a country song about life here. <laughs> and I remember having like even family from New York called me. They're like. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, is everything okay? Are you not taking this serious? And uh, for everybody we, that's you know, watching right now, we, we wrote this song. I think we were in Nashville. I was doing shows in Nashville. Yep. Yeah. And you were in town, and we had been, you know, DMing, and I was like, yo, can we pull up on you? Can we just hang? And I'm like, what if we write a fucking country song? Yeah. And <laughs> you organized... Like some legit country, brilliant yeah. singers and like yeah. composers. Oh yeah. And we sat down in your studio, mm -hmm. which was in this like in the middle of Music Row, by the way, in a house on Music yeah. Row, right in the middle of, right next to Warner Brothers. Yeah, hmm. yeah that's yeah, right. That's where we were that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we wrote, we wrote, open her up. Yeah. And by we, I mean you guys wrote Open Yeah. And we, we wrote took it with your punchlines. Yeah. We wrote it with yeah. y'all's punchlines. Punch yeah. Some was, prominent people yeah. that we can't even say. Yeah. 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 I told a story last night to country, some country radio guys backstage, and I can't say his name. I wish I could. But a multi-platinum guy was telling this same story because I was talking about doing this today, and the radio dude was a big fan of the show. And I was like, you know Bubba Longstroke that wrote that song is such and such? And he was like, you're shitting me. I was like, yeah, dude, we drug that dude out of the house that day. And by the end of the song, he was like, I can't have my name on this. <laughs> <laughs> and then right. I fucked up because I love y'all so much. I doubled down and put a rap verse on it. <laughs> a fucking Fire video. I should have known something was up when the other country dude in the room was like, yo, I can't even have my name on the writer's <laughs> ear of this. And I was like, let's shoot a video. Son, when a country artist is like, yo, you're not taking COVID seriously enough. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Bubba Longstroke. Yeah. Bubba, Bubba Longstroke. Can we say who did? Garth Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> Garth did it, man. Shout out to Garth, bro. Nah, it was. It is a, a incredibly successful country artist that uh, shared his time with us. He did. <laughs> in between pig hunts, he came yes. in like full. He pig showed up hunting. with blood on his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking that he just was like threw on the ground. Like, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. writing. Yeah. Nah, it was like a real experience. And then we wrote this, and then you came down to Miami to film it. Yeah, yeah. that's where I met you. Yeah, yes. yeah. And we party, bro. And we, I remember we were in the, uh, <laughs> we're at the house. My house had a pool in it. And it's so funny. 
Do you remember? <laughs> and then we had the two girls that are now the heavy queens. Yes. Right? And, and we got we got you in a Shout boat in the that. middle of the pool, and then you were like, you were I don't like, think we ever got me in the boat. No, did we, we did. Get me we got you in the yeah. boat. I remember. I ate it was shit. a tough time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> tough time. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I ate shit. So I many times trying to get in that boat. Dude. Yeah, we had a couple of the jaws lines like we're <laughs> gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> but you got in the boat, and this was the funniest thing. Yes, I, and you just go at one point. There you go. At one point, you just go, uh, all right, all right, I'm in the boat. Where are the bitches at? The bitches ready to go? <laughs> he said it even more casually. He's like, I'll be here. You put the two bitches right here. And it was just like, these are the directions. <laughs> My favorite part of that is, I remember when I going said like, it, I looked, them everybody else looked kind of like, what? And the yeah. two girls were like, yeah, we'll just sit right here. And I was like, fucking, <laughs> like, bitches are here. <laughs> I, was, I said it in the most endearing way, though. You like, did. yo, oh, yeah. Like, you know, I say it, I, I fucking grew up in the 90s and I talk like it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. It's like, fuck. Okay, and so that wasn't what got me canceled. So what happened? Song comes out and then what happens? I had a publicist for no shit, like 72 hours. I'm not bullshitting. I sent them the money and they were high. I was, um, I've never said the name. Can I? I, I think you I have to say the fucking name. Trouble. You won't get in trouble. So it was IDPR, yeah, you have which said is like name. one of the Huge. biggest PR they, they companies. They represent uh, Kevin Spacey, by the way. Yeah. Fucking wow. <laughs> I just want to say that. I've represented Kevin Spacey through the yeah. whole thing. I want to put that out now for what you're about to say. Go so on. We send you might them, need a we, publicist for that, yeah, by the we way. We sent them the money. And they want, you know, it's the first publicist I ever had, by the way. So I'm all excited that it's crazy expensive. And we sent them the money. And three days later, they were like, they sent an email over that goes, we need to speak about this Andrew Schultz song. And I was like, oh, fuck. Hmm. And the way it said, at first, I kind of read it the other way. Like, we need to speak about this Andrew Schultz song. I was like, we're getting traction, yeah. baby. It's happening. I was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <funny. laughs> so you calling up Jolly? Yeah. What? Good, we did it. We opened it up. <laughs> I was like, you got morning TV or something? Cool. I was thinking, this is it, dude. And they were like, we've turned around. And they literally sent me my money back, dropped me as a client that day. Wow. They sent me my money back. That's wow. the you best know thing how that ever happened. Offended somebody has to be to give you your money, money. back. And <laughs> to say my money wasn't green, God. Damn. And they, they, they yeah. kept Kevin Spacey as a client, and I know that because an agent called me. He goes, I can't fucking believe this. He goes, uh, one of my friends, a girl who works over there, and she's rolling her eyes at this shit because they kept on Kevin Spacey <laughs> while. People were saying that he was murdering his rape accusers. Yeah. <laughs> so not only did he have accusers, they were just dying randomly. Oh. And IDP was like, I think we can work yeah. this out. And yeah. COVID doesn't even hurt kids. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. Kids are completely safe with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 look, I, <laughs> I think it would have been one thing if I would have like done it with Bubba Longstroke. That'd be crazy. But like I did it with a a comic. Yeah. I did it with a comedian yeah. and wrote it with a bunch of comedians yeah. and had a bunch of fucking comedians in the video. Yeah. It was clearly in satire. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's also like, 100% how we feel. Comedy should be. It's the way I prefer my comedy. But it's like, and we ended up being right. Because yep. the wildest that part, is, that is the we kinda... stood the test of time through all yeah. that yeah. shit. You know what I mean? If my fat ass was down there, 
not worried about it. I feel like that should have been a beacon of hope for the whole country. Yeah, you know that's I mean? a good ass point. Yeah, you're putting your life on the line. I'm like, yo, fucking, let's go. You know what I'm saying? I'm COVID's dream. I'm a, I'm a honey pot. Yeah, I'm like, for COVID, God, bro. this is him. He's on the way. Yo, you know I can't believe we made him come to Miami. Yeah. <laughs> the epicenter. Everything is open. Loved it. We went yeah. bar hopping. But like, I remember you said this is when I realized how divided the country is. You were talking about being in Nashville, and they were like. You were like, yo, if you wear a mask in Nashville, people are going to think you have COVID yeah. and be more scared of you than someone who's not wearing a mask. That's true. Whereas in New York, dude, people would get off elevators. It was crazy. Yeah, well, if you wore a mask in Nashville during that time, we just assumed you were really sick. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't even a, like, I was telling somebody about it. It wasn't a political thing for me. It was like just what I seen. Yeah. yeah. When, I re when I went to Boston that year and they were like, I got in trouble for walking down the sidewalk without a mask by a police officer. That's crazy. Wow. I was like, whoa, this is like a way different thing up here than it was down there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, it never got presented to us like it was bad. Okay. So I remember when we were last, when we last connected in Nashville, well, that, I guess that's even before the video, but we connected Nashville. You were kind of like breaking down, you were breaking down the biz to me and how you'd managed to maintain your independence. And then you had these songs fucking explode. And then because of that, there was all this success. And you're like really breaking down like music industry stuff. From then, it feels like you've 10X'd or something like oh. It's crazy, right? Dude, I was telling them and I wanted, to, I had to quit talking to them about it because I wanted to make sure we were all here on the pod. I think that's the kinship we all feel with each other, too. I think that's why y'all love me so much and I love y'all so much, is that it's been the most unique thing to watch two groups of people yeah. that do totally different things that have somehow met three, four years ago and went on the exact same parallel trajectory. Yeah. Like, I'm looking last night as I'm coming, I'm coming off stage in an amphitheater to see that you just sold one out in fucking Australia. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, immediately, I'm like, how awesome is this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To see this fucking, like, and it happened to, like, good people yeah. that really worked and figured it out and kind of did it however the fuck they wanted to do. So before you pile the praises on me, which I want to hear for yeah. sure. <laughs> I hear for them. Don't worry. I just want to say that I think it's been a mutual thing to watch. That you know is the I mean? exciting thing. I, you know, it's another thing we, there's a, you know, Israel stylebender Adesanya, the UFC fighter. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's another guy that like, he came on flagrant early when we were in a tiny little recording studio with like a TV propped up at the back. And then we've seen him go on to become, you know, UFC champion and kind of felt both of ourselves are kind of rising at the same time. And I wonder if the kinship has developed not only mutual respect, but like mutual experience. Like you know that that person is also experiencing these weird things that you're experiencing mm. that you can't really communicate to everybody at the right. same time, you know? It's and like, crazy. I wonder if that, like as you've gotten to this level, you know, of, of superstardom, have you, have you, uh, have you dealt with I don't even know how to phrase it. I was feeling it last <laughs> night where it was just like, you ever see the venues perform and you just laugh? Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. Like, what, how did you process that? How do you process, how do you process the ridiculousness of thousands of people just watching you do? I can't. I don't, I'm still so like, it's like, I feel comfortable here because we're friends. Yeah. But to know that I'm coming here, leaving Fox and Friends in the middle of a sold out fucking amphitheater tour, like I was just telling Dove, I don't know how to say this without it sounding like I'm bragging. It, okay. But, you know, does that make sense too? Yeah, that's because, a new thing in life for me too. Is like, shit, your normal life 
feels like, like I'm bragging. fucking bragging. So that's why you don't want to tell anybody <laughs> yeah, for about sure. it. sure. It's like you just keep just like, I want to tell everybody. I'm that's why rich people just hang out with rich people. They, yeah. they get the country club so they can talk about their problems. Yeah. They seem like bragging everybody yeah, else. For sure. Like you can't say I lost a million yeah, yeah. to your friend who works at UPS. Yeah, for sure. 100 if I hadn't bought him a couple cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, I think about we're going to play Pittsburgh. Uh, I will have played it right before this airs. And we'll do 23,000 people on Holy a Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Holy shit, dude. 23,000 on a Tuesday, dude, in fucking Pittsburgh. And it's not like that's the only market play. We're playing Detroit three hours up the street. We just played Virginia. I mean, we're within the market space of it. We're playing two spots in Ohio, Cleveland. You know what I mean? It's not like... I had to get an entire region of the country yeah. to come to Pittsburgh. And that's what's even crazier because that's the real inside baseball that we could talk about. You can't talk about with more, most people, right? It's like, you know, sometimes you'll have a show do really good because you strategically placed it in a place where you're like, I think I can get this city to make the drive, this city to make the drive, and I can make so one So you really pull three here. different cities into one place. For sure. But this tour... I'm hitting them all, dude. Yeah, I'm hit, yeah. I'm going about every 220 miles, dude. We're stopping that fucking bus and playing the show, man. Mm. So... <laughs> For the people that don't know you now, that are listening to the pod for the first time, I want them to get an understanding of kind of where you came from and why this is so insane. Because oh. right? what is it, like 14 to 25, you're in jail? Yes, sir. Okay, first time you go to jail, four? First time was like, I was probably like 13 and it was like weed or something. I think I stole something. Okay. And then at 14, I caught a robbery case. And that's Rob, where it that's went. That's the big boy. weed. Yeah, it was a drug deal gone bad. It was a drug deal gone bad. Wait, for the person you robbed? For them, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it ended up going. Nah. What a great way yeah. to describe <laughs> robbing drug dealers. <laughs> drug deal gone great, actually. <laughs> so you well, planned to rob them? Yeah, it went good for me until I got arrested. We all got screwed in the end, you know? Well, how do you get how do you get arrested for robbing a drug dealer? Because they can't go to the cops. Well, they went to the cops for the what they could. It's like if like like Alex sticks me up right now and he takes my watch and my weed oh. and my cocaine and then I'm just like he took my watch you know what, uh, what I'm saying you know what I mean yeah and that's what happened that and, watch and, is nice yeah for sure tour announcement Australia thank you thank you you crazy motherfuckers that was insane uh, we got to add some shows Perth we're adding another show that's gonna be Monday the thirteenth okay Sydney. We are adding another show. This is going to be Friday the 17th. Both of those are on sale right now. You can go get tickets to those. Uh, thank you guys so much for blowing out this pre-sale. This is unbelievable. Uh, we're also going to be in Adelaide, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Um, if there are any tickets left of those shows, go now. Get them. Again, thank you so much. This has been unbelievable. Also, Canada. We're coming to Niagara Falls on the 22nd, and then we're coming to Windsor, Ontario on the 23rd. If you couldn't get tickets to the Toronto shows at Scotiabank Arena, I would recommend getting tickets to both of those places. And no, we are not leaving you out, Alberta. Mark and I are going to be coming to do the Great Outdoors Fest, okay? That's going to be August 27th in Calgary, 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 okay? Pull up on us there. And um, also Dublin, the Three Arena Absolutely magnificent venue. Very excited to start out the European tour with you freckled fucking gremlins. <laughs> I'm just joking. I love you all. I love you, you all, that? Irish people. Let's go Ireland.
I'm a quarter Irish. Don't, don't, don't do that, huh? Don't, no, don't, don't, I'm, a, I'm an Irish friend. Don't make it. Come hey, on. Hey, I have an Irish no, friend. No, no, you said what you said. <laughs> what I did? Yeah, uh, But I'm Irish. No, you're I'm not. I'm a little but... Irish, so I can say you're what they look Irish. like. You're not Irish. No? No. Are you sure? Yes. All right, damn. You fucking spotted banana-looking motherfuckers. Okay, I'm walking. I'm walking. Listen, I love the Irish. Look at all the art that came out of Ireland. Okay. Look at the poetry, the writing. Brave. Brave is Scottish, you fucking Fuck, racist. Damn it. I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm fucking I'm tired. So sorry, I am tired of Americans mixing up white people from up there. From white people places? From white people places. <laughs> it's disgusting to me. So I apologize on behalf of them. But Ireland, we're coming. And we're going to look right into your fucking bloodshot skin. <laughs> what? What? What do you think? We love you. What is going we're going to see you soon. Okay? Peace. Now, are you God like? Bit. Are you like? You have a gun at the time. Like, how are you robbing these people? Yeah, we was we was we was arm robbing. We that, that's what made it. And I and I never, you know, I never shy away from like because I talk about it so lightheartedly. For one reason, it was twenty some years ago, right? Yeah. But two, I never want to take away from it, Schultz. It was bad. Like it was wrong. Like as an adult male, I look back and I've had guns in my face. Now that was never the right way to approach people. Even when I became a hustler later in life and quit robbing. I had more respect for the hustlers and the robbers. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not an avenue. There's no glory in that. But, yeah, it was an armed robbery case. And what the part of the story that we don't tell publicly, but I'll tell on y'all shit, is that I caught another armed robbery case when I was 15. So I went and did, like, 16, 18 months and came home and got another robbery case. Oh, shit. So same thing, drug deal, gun. For right? sure. Same exact, same exact thing. Did you just ever get in touch repeat. with the guy that you robbed? Dude, I thought about reaching out to this guy recently just because, you know, my spirit has changed so much. And I was like, I'm afraid this dude would shake me down. Right? Like, I hate to say it, but I thought to myself, yeah, like, I yeah. like I go, you know, I'm surprised this dude hadn't sued me anyways. Like, I'm just waiting on his lawsuit to come in yeah. today. Because I'm sure if he still hates me and doesn't want to accept my apology, he's like, this fat fuck is profiting from my pain. You know uh, what I mean? It's like, don't give him I no could ideas just, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, I, that's my nightmare. I mean, the night. guy was a like, drug dealer. So if you want to talk about profiting off of pain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You don't have he's a lot of room. experience. We was yeah. all, you know, my daddy used to say it this way, like, Never be a snake unless you're in a snake pit. Uh, you know what I mean? I was like kind of, that. and that's how I felt about the streets. Like Omar shit. Yeah. And what led you to the streets? What's happening at home? So, you know, just middle lower class. When I, you know, I drove by my, old, I try to buy my old childhood house like every rapper on earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? It's like. <laughs> you think a chain is a bad investment? <laughs> <laughs> that is what every buying your said. trauma cabin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> part is they turned down my offer and I offered insane money for what this fucking shack was worth and they turned down my money and my manager was finally like what was you gonna do I was like I don't know go in there and cry I guess <laughs> 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 have a therapy session go there and fucking play basketball by myself or something <laughs> like, I don't know you know what I mean think it through but I went to the house and it's like it's so funny because I guess we grew up poor but I didn't feel like it because I never wanted my father was a hustler. He booked bets on the side. So if I wanted shoes, you know, it wasn't that thing. But then I go back to the house that I grew up in that I felt like was a pretty big middle-class house. I was like, oh, no. This is like my garage. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? It was insane. I was like, this motherfucker is small. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like we, And my mother was a woman who dealt with mental health and drug addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the drug? She started with pills. 
Yeah, just big farmer. You know, they'll give them to you so yeah. easy. And she just, you know, she she would, but she was like very reclusive. She never left her room, like ever. But when she would, I would watch the temperature of the house change. And what like way? I would come alive, dude. When my mama came down them steps and sat at that table, she'd turn a record on and light a cigarette. And I'm not shitting you, dude. I would watch neighbors flood into the house, mm-hmm. and she would hold fucking court. She would light cigarettes up and she'd tell these old fucking wild stories and play these records and like just fucking she would create such a cool atmosphere. So but people are this was something that. that would happen, I'm not shitting you twice a year. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I can't remember a time I seen my mother outside of a room. I didn't see my mother outside of a nightgown until I went to court as an adult like when I was getting tried as an adult when I was seventeen. Whoa. And she showed up to the court in a pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt. I'd never seen her not in a nightgown in my life. So like, she was fancy. afraid to, like, leave the house? Yeah. Agoraphobic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, fancy, fancy. Yeah. I was like, yo, this bitch dressed up. Put her nice yeah. sweatpants on. I was like, yo, I might get out. I was like, fucking somebody cares about me. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah. She got her sweatpants on? Yeah. Her full like, sweatpants? I was Let's like, go. this is the, she's wearing house slippers still. I was like, okay. yo, we're in the money. I didn't expect her to have shoes. This was a step. <laughs> Do you remember the Might Be a Redneck books? Oh, yes. Yeah. You remember the lady in the Moo Moo with the yeah, cigarette? Foxworth, yeah. yeah. I, I've spent years of my life thinking about calling Jeff Foxworth and just going, where the fuck did you dream this bitch up? Because <laughs> I grew up with her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what that woman looks like. It's my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, But I think that's where my love of music came from. Because what happened? It lit her up a bit? Dude, man, she was like, oh, and like... She'd light up and dance, or she'd cry. She'd play Bette Midler, The Rose. Hmm. And, dude, I'd watch the whole house cry. And we're all like, in hindsight, it's, like, kind of funny, but it's like, you know, we're all grouped around, the, like, huddling around a radio like it's fucking 1962 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're all crying together, listening to The Rose for the, you know, the hundredth time we Dude, it's it. weird when you're young and you have this, like, protective instinct over your parents because, mm. you know, the roles are completely reversed, but it's... I remember as a kid, you know, my dad would be uh, deal with like depression a lot, you know, and he was kind of like open with it. He'd be like, "Hey, I'm just feeling a little depressed or whatever," and um, I thought the way to fix him was making him laugh. Hmm. Wow! So when I saw him like watch or listen to Eddie Murphy's Delirious for the first time, and I saw him laughing uncontrollably. I was like, "Oh, that's it. That's the fix." And I guarantee my appreciation of comedy, love of comedy, probably comes from that. That feeling of wow, maybe I could control this thing that like my hero is dealing with. Like I used to bring him to the comedy cellar when I was like a teenager. When he would tell me he was he was depressed, I'd be like, "Well, let's go to a comedy show, Dad. That will make you feel better," yeah. you know. Oh, wow. And I wonder if that's like, you know, you 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 saw the way that music affected your mom. Oh, it's making me tear up thinking hearing you tell that story. Yeah, God, it's wild. I think it's like probably the most similar story I've ever heard to mine. Yeah, because I would come down with like raps. Because I didn't know I could sing, right? Because, like, our family, when we sang as a group, had a real big white trash family. We're like, where is white trash do you expect us to be? You would never be let down if you met my family. You'd instantly be like, that's what I thought it was going to be, you know? But I would come down with these raps. Because we'd all sing as a family, and we all sound like a bunch of drunk alley cats. <laughs> so I just assumed I fucking sucked like the rest of the family. Yeah. So, But I could understand hip-hop, and it was the language of the neighborhood, too. You know what I'm saying? It was our culture. So I would come down with like raps or poems or something, you know what I mean? Because I would translate that the music was like, and that's crazy. I'm not even crying about my shit. I cry about my shit all the time. It's just crazy how similar that is for you that like, that you can even pinpoint, it was the rose for me. And I think that's why I write sad songs. It was the what for you? It was the rose. 
Rose. It was Bette Miller's oh, The Rose. Like song, Delirious yeah. for you, right? Yep, yep. It was The Rose for me. Because so you it's saw like, how it lit them up. Is that why you have The Rose? That's why I got The Rose on my head, too. Oh. Yep. That's why in the song, Same Asshole, I said a couple of crosses and a black rose. Hmm. Yep. So it's crazy, but that was the song. So it's like, for you, it was delirious. For me, it was like, I've just, to this day, I tell people I'm try, I've spent my whole life trying to write The Rose and Fire and Rain. What's the closest you've gotten? Save Me. Yeah. I fucking. Yeah. I, so I hadn't heard your music when we met. I played that. No, actually, he played the opener before we met. And then on the way home, I played Save Me. There's not many songs I remember, like a flashbulb memory. You know what I mean? Like, you people remember exactly where they were in 9-11. I remember exactly what I was doing when I heard Save Me. Oh, wow. That shit, I listened to it again on the way here. I listened to your new album, Amazing. And then I was going through old shit, and I got emotional listening to Save Me. Yeah. What made you write that song? Where did it come from? Dude, you know what's funny, man, is that I think, as fucked up as it sounds, probably just like a lifetime of pain. You know what I mean? And being, not even just mine, like, I'm empathic by nature, so like what I felt from where I grew up. Like it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I realized that drug addiction was like not normal. Wow. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, you know, like I literally was in my twenties before I was like, hold on, people know people that aren't on drugs. Wow. Like that's a concept in life that like that blew my fucking mind that there was an entire, you know what I mean? I never seen nobody not do drugs. Yeah. I mean, I knew from a young, I mean, even do you as, remember you know, the moment. Yeah. Well, Sort of. I was in a program in jail, and this lady was explaining, like, they kept hammering that kind of into us in the program of, like, hey, there's a whole other life out here that y'all aren't even familiar with. And I'm like, and I still didn't believe the concept. I'm like, lady, rich people do cocaine. That's how we thought, because I sold rich people cocaine. You know what I mean? Because I sold a bunch of rich people cocaine. So I was like, I know rich people do drugs. I sell it to them all the time. I got to the point where later in my drug career, I targeted them. I went to, you know what I'm saying? I found out the bar. Way safer. Way safer. Way less guys like you waiting to rob you. They never had a scale to check and see if you were trying to get over. They were happy with whatever you gave them. You know what I'm saying? It was fucking awesome. You know, and she was, and I just, but it was like that concept in that program started to stick to me. And I was like, damn, then you start meeting people and you like go to therapy and you start getting real things in your life. You're like, oh yeah, no, this was kind of different. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, as, though extremely normal for us, it was like extremely, extremely, I don't know if that makes any sense, but 100%. I just didn't even. When you, when you were younger, did you have animosity towards rich people? If, were you, did they frustrate you? Were you angry about them? No, no, because I had, I was like one of them guys that had a richer side of the family. Mm-hmm. And I never, and yeah, and my, some of my family members were a little more, but I never felt that way about them. Plus, I never really realized how much, like, I'm trying to, my dad booked bets. He was a hustler, hustler. Mm-hmm. So, like, he never didn't have a pocket full of money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we lived mm-hmm. a poor life, but ultimately, there wasn't one person in that house. If they wanted a pair of Jordans, do it, figure it out. So even your rich side of the family was doing drugs, doing whatever. Yeah, I had a, I had a cousin over there that was a drug addict too. Wow. You know what I mean? So even like the, my best case, but the difference now that I look back at it is that side of the family had one drug addict. Uh, we had 12. Mm. You know what I mean? You feel me? And that was the thing. But it's like, I just never even... You know, comp- I just didn't. I just didn't process it. But equally, we're doing this amphitheater tour right now. I didn't realize you could see a concert indoors until I was twenty. <laughs> I fucking we had an amphitheater right by my house, dude, yeah. and we fucking get lawn tickets for like twelve bucks. Seven. I went. I seen Lollapalooza '97 for like eight dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? For real. Tool. 
Snoop Dogg, Whoa. fucking Corn, yeah. Damian Marley, Prada. Do you remember that? Free the press shop. Yeah. The yeah, 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 yeah. That, uh, I went, I'll never forget that, dude. I'm like 14 on the lawn. It cost us like eight bucks. And in my 20s, my dad was like, we, we should go see Elton John. He's playing the arena. And I was like, they do concerts at the arena? Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah. whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, I just thought you only did concerts fucking outdoors during three months a year, you know? Fuck. Interesting. Yeah, because we go to all the concerts and shit. Y'all ever go to like amphitheater shows? Yeah, like, yeah. I've seen. Sit up on the lawn and party and fucking slide down the hill when the rain was Tailgate there. It's called Starwood Amphitheater. Yeah. My dream, listen, y'all, this is my camera dove. Dude. <laughs> my dream. <laughs> My dream is for somebody at Live Nation to see this podcast and help me reopen Starwood for two nights next year. That's what's what I want what's Starwood? It's the amphitheater I went to as a child. They closed it down, but the ground is still there. The grounds are there. It's just overgrown. And I'm like, I'm willing to lose the money if they'll let me clean it out and throw up a 750 stage for a fucking weekend and do oh, the Jelly wow. Fest there. That'd be great. It, dude, I would, it'd be like the greatest thing ever. Like, the only thing better than that for me would be playing Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. You know what I mean? Holy yeah. shit. That's like that, childhood. Is that, the other, shit. is that the other dream? Oh, you know God. it. Dude. You know I'm going to do it so bad. If I don't never play another stadium on earth, if I could just squeak one out in the hometown. Yeah, that And you know, we're crazy. getting that new stadium in 25. But so you, you want to get there before? You would rather do Yeah, because they were like, would you rather be the last? person it's like a hypothetical thing but they were like would you rather be the last person to play nissan stadium yeah or would you rather be the first person to play the new stadium i was like that new stadium's gonna be there for 100 years hmm. that old stadium's well, on its way yeah <laughs> <laughs> is that the turnaround on these things these seems things? like it. yeah seems <laughs> okay take me back to save me real quick what what is it about there's something so special about music right it's like one song can catapult someone to superstardom they might have all the talent in the world they might have written 100 songs before that might write 200 after that but there's something that happens where it's magic right, right. and some people have one hit some people have you have many you know uh, there's some people that can recreate it but that was a magical moment that touched people sometimes it's honestly hard for me to listen to mm, like right. when i turn it on i have to be prepared for it right I can't do it before going to the club. Yeah. Because yeah, I won't. Yeah, I'll just yeah, sit yeah, back yeah. at home and I'll watch fucking Chef's Table. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? I just, I, I, That's, that song brings me to tears every time. Bro, exactly. So every what is it? Every time I hear And, and like it's what is it? And do you find, did you ever find yourself trying to recreate it? Yeah. I, um, thank you, by the way, brother. That means a lot coming from the homies. Um, it, I don't know. I can't even describe that. It sounds really poetic, and I'm not I'm not an artsy fartsy guy, but I do love the art. Yeah. But it's like I dreamed of that the melody of somebody save me. Yeah. And I get that every now and then I get a melody stuck in my head, but it, it was so stuck in my head that I went to sh like you know how you can hum in your Shazam now mm -hmm. to try to make sure like am I tripping like there's no way God just dropped one of these off on me. Oh, you thought you know that it saying? existed already? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, in my mind I'm like, cause you know like. Nothing news under the sun. Like, we're yep. all doing a different version yeah, of something. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was like, for me, it was just like, let me just make sure I'm not jazzing this. So when I called my home, I'm like, this is all I got. He's like, I think that's all we need. Oof, you know, wow. and it's like, I'll never forget. When he said that, I said, we're on to something. I played it back that night. I sent it to my wife. Bro. She hit me back and said, biggest song of your life. Bro, huh. there's a comment on the video. If you look at the YouTube, yeah. the top comment uh, yeah. is from you. And it says, hey, guys, trying something a little different. <laughs> Let me know if you think we should put it on the album or not. What? Just look at the top what? comment. That's crazy. Uh, how what? insane. <laughs> the biggest song of your career so far yeah. 
Wait, which one? The, the music video? I was the music that video. insecure about that I warned yeah. my crowd. Like, hey, yeah. like different content alert. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. crazy. Look I at forgot this. that, Look dude. At right there. That is hey, such a Hey, I know this is a little different for me, but I'm wondering if this should make the album or not. Y'all let me know below. <laughs> 160 million views later. Put it on the fucking album, Jelly. It's going on the second album it's been on. It's awesome. just, it's crazy. Yeah, comment, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't feeling it, man. Sorry. <laughs> now I'm curious about the take. Like when you actually recorded this, was it just one take? Did it feel special? Did you it do it a few special. times? Yeah, it felt special. Inside baseball, we, we you know we we did a few takes of it until we found the one we liked to pick a take from. Mm -hmm. But it's it was it, we knew it, man. I, my wife is like my biggest critic. Cause she's not into my kind of shit. She's like a rock and roll bitch. So she is just not into the yeah. fucking, yeah. you know, the old jelly roll shit. And she hit me back and was like, this song's going to change your life forever. Wow. That's amazing. Like, I'll never forget that text right then. And I played it for some dudes that worked on my car the next day. Cause I'm like, I'm still like nerdy. Y'all know this. I played y'all songs. Like I'm still a high school kid. Like if you <laughs> give me an auxiliary cable or a Bluetooth, I guess now and fucking I will immediately be like, can I play you something? I'm that guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the way they reacted was like, I'll never forget, I seen the dude getting choked up, and he said, play it one more time. Whoa. And I was the like, mechanic. yeah, and I was like, that's my core. Like, that's, the, that's who I know I'm writing songs for. Mm -hmm. Anybody else I get is a bonus. Like, I have this picture of people I'm writing towards. Hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, when he heard it, I was like, man, this is fixing to be special. But, dude, I mean, this song is... It's my next. It's gonna officially be my next single for country radio. I put Lanny Wilson on it. This song, it was, it did it for me, man. It turned Dump, everybody. That's Dump Truck. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's the country artist. With oh, the that's ass. that's the the yeah. <laughs> she had the fucking wagon, bro. It's yeah. crazy. Man. Yeah, she went viral for that. Listen, yeah, that's that's. Black people found out about her. They're yeah. like, yo, let, let's check out this country shit. My favorite comment. Black people ever. forgave Morgan Whalen after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. What, comment. That's why he said the N word. He looked at Lady like. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite comment under that stuff when she yeah. first started going viral for it was when somebody said, I didn't know country music was coming like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's, yeah, a, that's, yeah, a nice yeah. that's a great feature. That's great a talent. She's a talented girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, she got the misses incredible. I can hear oh. the music through the screen. Yeah, I hear oh. the music through the screen right now. Oh, Shit. that's fucking God. great. Damn. Oh, that's the yeah, first just, time you ever see me get shy on here, boy, because that's yeah. my friend. I'm just watching. Yeah. 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 You, you can't I'm comment, too. Homie. You yeah. can't comment. I guess that's somebody needs too. to save me yeah. from yeah. that. God damn. All right, get it. I'm about to get that. She's the best sport about it too. Yeah, like for that, to, like she took it in stride yeah. and ran with it, and like her message is she so did pure. Run with it, she she's like, with it. she's like, she's like, on it. She's, she's, she's so country. She's so country. She said, "Jelly, if my big old butt got him to hear the music, I'm okay with that." Yeah, <laughs> whatever gets you there. Yeah, for sure. And she had, you know, she's got the songs too. So all she needed was somebody to look at them or hear them after they looked at her. So in that order, it worked out for her, dude. She's on clean fucking fire. Now she's great on saving me too. She's great. Yeah, she's special, but she come on. She, she do. Y'all need. Man, yeah, we need to get Lainey yeah, for real. Absolutely. Lainey come up here, and she's a hoot, dude. Absolutely. She is a Louisiana firecracker. She's country as coleslaw, dog. Yeah. That, <laughs> listen, she is a different kind of country, dude. It really? Is, hell yeah, dude. And her story's so amazing. She lived in a camper and wrote songs in Nashville for like seven years, like a KOA or oh, some shit. shit. Like just. They called her Camper Girl. They'd be like, "You writing with Camper Girl today?" and shit huh. like that. Whoa. And she's literally, you know, probably like the. Sixth or seventh arena act in country music women's history. Wow. What wow. is she deadlift? 
Squat. She squats at least 600. I fucking hate you. Thanks for being damn glue. We love you. We need you on the pod. Okay, so what is it like? What is it like? Fucking hate you. I need to know. We love you, lady. We love you. Trust me, everybody's going to the Instagram page. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Boston always says, looking for the fats, not the flats. Looking for the fats, <laughs> that's not fat, the flats. That's fat, yeah, it's though. a slogan on tour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Okay, so what is, what is it like? Uh, do you remember the moment where you, where you felt like the song was out of here? Oh, fuck, immediately. Escape Velocity. Yeah. Right. Where do you put it out? Is it on YouTube? Is it on the radio? Like, at what YouTube. point? YouTube's where I started. So you got to think, before I signed my record deal... I'd already had a billion views on the channel. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? I'd already built the channel. YouTube was my first love by a landslide. YouTube was hot take, the first place for an artist to have music stream, maybe besides Pandora, mm. anywhere. Yeah. Like a place where you could independently go yeah. hit the upload button with just a fucking picture yeah. or something, and, and I could get my music to people outside of like MySpace. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was. We started on YouTube early, and YouTube took it and just, man, it went. And it's kind of one of those things that was scary because I felt like, how do you top this? And that's why you was talking about that I try to write another one. I immediately was like, get away. I didn't try to write another acoustic Good. song. I was immediately like, go Good. the complete other direction. And then Son of a Sinner ended up being a big hit for me and went number one at country radio yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that stuff happened. And then even then I was like, you know, what do you do? Because you got to find, you can't go back to the same well. Yep. And then drop Need a Favor. It's my first mid-tempo record of my career. And it's, by, believe it or not, probably the biggest hit of my career right now. Mm, love. Every night, it's it's the moment in the set where the crowd comes. Really? Yeah, it's fucking it. It's really? it, dude. It's the it's the climax of the set. It's insane. There's a uh, yeah. I, th I think there's a thing that I think you find out if if you are more of an artist or more of a attention whore when you get success and you either chase the thing that got you the success or you chase the art. Yes. And it's really difficult. I think a lot of times people end up doing this impression of themselves and it's across all art forms. It can be in comedy, it can be music, whatever. They're like, oh, this thing works. I'm gonna keep replicating it. But sometimes the truest thing is to continue to like challenge yourself, do something different, or, like find out what inside is compelling you to continue to create. Right, you know? right. And that's a tough decision because a lot of people don't have to make it because they never got successful. Right. But it's hard when you buy a fucking $10 million house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got a fucking mortgage on it. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, that thing works. Yeah, we know what works. It's so easy to try to go back. To yeah, that's why I think it's great that you never do it, man. I still to this day, something I learned even from working with y'all years back was y'all always adopted the philosophy I did because we worked together on that song, so we yeah. got to see how each other do business. Yeah, which was really cool for me. And it's always chase the look. Yeah, chase cool. Yeah, chase culture. Fuck money. Fuck it. Money will follow that eventually. We probably still owe you money. Yeah, no, 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 y'all did, y'all did. It was three hours around free. No, 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 Y'all did, y'all did incredible business. Y'all were fun, fun to work with. But it's like, it was, even then, it was like little decisions were made on that video set that was like, do we spend the extra bread and make it look cool or not? And yeah. everybody was like, make it look cool. Yeah. 
You don't worry about ROI. You just worry about fucking like this. Like I know how I remember how big of a stretch it was when y'all built this place. Yeah. I'll never forget you sitting on the couch telling everybody you went broke and your wife hated you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You were like fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know. But chase but the art, man. Chase the Push art. The art. Y'all deserve something that looked fucking cool. You know, it's like even with the show we're doing now, man. I mean, the, you know, we still got a couple tickets that are available. Jellyroll615.com for any Jelly Roll needs you have. <laughs> Yo, get but, out to the show. Have to have, get out to the, the show. But the, the whole tour itself is like 90-something percent sold. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, so I'm not even saying this to try to sell tickets, but I appreciate it if you bought some. But I brought the production shows. I yeah, did it fucking to. right. You have to. You know what I mean? Like, I did it the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Like, you know, I did it like when y'all first went and played them big rooms, and you were like, fucking blow it out, dog. Yeah. Like... I went and had a moment where I was like, man, I, how much shit can we fit on that stage? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I want to bring an arena show to these amphitheaters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the vibe I want to get Absolutely. off. You, oh, know? That's awesome. you were telling us before the pod, like, you're performing like four to five times a week on oh, this yeah. tour. Like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing crazy. Yep, four to five times a week, technically four and a half. I think it's 54 cities in like 11 weeks. Wow. Now, I know you work really hard on maintaining Jeez. your voice. With that many shows, what do you have to do in between to rest, recover all that? Like, Thursday's a day off for me. Today was a day off, but I'll sleep the rest of the day, and then Thursday I won't talk at all. Hmm. I won't say anything Thursday. I'll just sleep, warm water, rest the vocals. I know your I wife loves like, Thursdays. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> fucking the day, son. She just unloads. <laughs> Listen, I know. Bring up arguments. I got you, motherfucker. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yo, you give her so much love, yeah, man. It's great it's seeing all these, like, there's so many, like, podcasts that you've been doing recently that have been going, these little moments going viral. Obviously, the Rogan experience was great for you. Oh, man. But, you know, getting back into that that relationship, I don't know. It's something I can also relate to. It's like getting somebody that is your partner and someone that you want to build something with. I don't think it's a coincidence that my career has taken off. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other parts, and these people deserve credit too, all you guys, but, like, having that person... It's sturdy for you, allows you to really focus. You oh, know. for sure. And also just quitting chasing tail. Like just when you focus on one chick, like my phone freed up so much space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like all these little unnecessary, just trying yeah. to drag along shits. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and man, to have somebody that just really stands behind you. Like, yeah. Like Bunny is all about, she gets it. Like I sat down with her 18 months ago and I'm like, look, there's a chance that if we do this right, three years from now, we can look back and we can pave our own future forever. But you just got to be patient with me and know that I'm finna be in the wind. And like, no hesitation. She was mm. like, you could, I could have told her I was going to fucking Iraq. And she'd have been like, fucking see you when you get back. I trust it. Like, trust. Like, wow. she's just like that kind of support. That unwavering moment where you're like, look, you don't get to do this. You only get to do this the first one time, time, one time. Yeah. That's it. If we come back around, God willing, I hope I come back around, but I'll be old news. It'll, I'll talk, we'll talk about current events next time I'm on this podcast, not the Jelly Roll story, right? Did you, you, know did, you uh, did you drop like a pickup line on her when you first met her? No, Do you dude, the first I was thing a, you said? No, I was an asshole, man. I what? just I looked at her and immediately assessed that it was fucking a problem. And I just couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, what, what I happened? was just what like, happened? she had a dude at the time and he was like super aggressive and just like it was a lot. Yeah, he it was. was just a lot of energy coming yeah. from that whole scenario. Less we, we, from her. This is, you met the her. We met at a bar, dude, like fucking 1972. It was awesome. Old school, <laughs> just at a bar. I'm doing a soft ticket show on Fremont Street. Nobody's there to see me. I'm on stage with people. People got their back turned to me having conversations. <laughs> it's one of those shows. Fremont right? is 
Downtown. Old Vegas. Yeah, downtown, yeah, downtown Vegas. Vegas. Old yeah. Vegas. Yeah, old Vegas. And I just immediately was attracted to her. And was her, she coming to see you, or was she just going to the they bar? They were just at the bar. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a total. It was just like, I guess Vegas. maybe her dude at the time knew a dude that worked for me or something, but it wasn't like a we're coming to see Jelly Roll thing. It was like, yo, the homie's in town at a bar Yeah, kind of thing, you know? And um, that dude ended up going to jail, and when he did, she kind of reached out. Yeah. And I thought she was just being cool, like, just in general. And I, I was like, there's no way she's, you know. And then one night, she shot her shot. And what'd she say? Yo, she, well, she came into the room we were all in and just sat on my lap. And, like, we've been Whoa. friends for, like, a year. Dude, and I was like, yo, and you know, Bunny's got that goddamn thing on her, she son. Bubba, Bunny's got that thing on her. Mm -hmm. So Bunny sits down, and I'm like, oh, no, this ain't straight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm did instantly you, like— you, Did you get bricked? I, well, she wouldn't have felt it anyways. I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fucking, I'm so fat, I could be fully erect and standing up, and nobody knows. Put it in the belly button. <laughs> but she sit down, and I was just like, okay. man, there's no way this is happening. Okay. I was like, this might be something. Mm. And then we ended up at the little bar that night and, and had a couple, couple of drinks, and she, she kissed me. And we went back to the house, and, man, she tried to fuck me. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to know what you're trying to do with your life before I let you put that pussy on me and fuck my life up. What are you? What are you? You're the prize, Jeff. What are you like homeless at the time? Why are you judging, bro? You're homeless telling her? Yes, and she picks on me about it to this day. She said I asked her for her five-year plan. I may have. I was just like, I was intimidated too. Dude, this girl like. The ball's on you. This man living in a van. The ball's on you. Living in a 96. What do you want to do with your life? In a van. How dare you? You got her <laughs> resume? Yo. <laughs> Where'd you graduate? Were you at her house? Yeah. Well, I was sleeping on the couch, and then I graduated to the bedroom. In her house? Yeah, in her house. So, she so had, the first time she, she brings had a you... I'm, I'm extremely homeless, by the way. Yeah. If I couldn't I sleep on her couch, I'd have slept in my van outside of her house. You know what I'm saying? Or, and she had money, money at this time, right? She had real money, too. Yeah. She, I was intimidated, too. I think maybe there was a side of me that's embarrassing to admit that she's going to see this and pick on me forever. It, maybe a side of me just stalled because she just walked in, and I was like, this is wild. You know what I mean? I mean, did like she Bunny, was in She Bunny was in lingerie or something? No, she was completely naked. Just she came out of the shower. Being into you, just, just that beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I've done okay for God a big damn, guy. I have done. God I have done. That's my wife. Yeah. That's why I'm saying. put your shit on. He's a rock star. He's getting pussy, bro. Somebody sleeps on wheels. Tell me I'm wrong. Why'd he just did that? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. You're right. God damn. Thank you. I'm right ish. I will not let you take away from I will not be projected as the he average fat person. Down, that was for, oh, for sure. You know what yeah. My wife will let, tell you this. Come on, my man. wife will I tell you this. That. I was not hurting in the you know. I've done relatively well for myself for what I have to offer in the pussy you know department for sure. I've I done extremely that. well in every department, kind of. I mean, you know, fuck. I've done a lot with a lot, maybe. I've done a lot with a lot yeah. holding me back. There you go. You know, but <laughs> yeah, she just it was something about her too that was like, man, I didn't. I knew immediately, as corny as this sounds, that it, I didn't want to play that game. Hold on. So she comes in butt naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of crawls up on me. and Whoa. And I'm like, oh, hold on now. 
regroup, timeout, timeout. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, let's let's chat about this. I didn't see this escalating so quickly. You know what I'm okay. We kind of went zero to a hundred. Okay. And I'm definitely a grower, not a shower. <laughs> I need a second here to figure out what's happening. <laughs> I've been doing cocaine. You know what I'm saying? I'm fucking been drinking. It's like fucking. Uh, let give me a second here to figure this out. Okay. What so, are we doing right and then now? She's probably never been rejected by a man ever in her life. Yeah, for sure. So what is going through her head in this moment? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And she says that just like that. And I'm she like, was, what the fuck is wrong with I'm you? just like, yo, like, are we just like fucking or what are we doing? She was like, I really like you. I was like, then cool. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, wow. what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what's our plan here? Because, you know, don't, don't, I could tell this was entrapment. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this is something different happening. You thought she was right a fed or something? No, nah, I just thought like, I just thought like, yo, don't. She don't have man. me out here looking silly. She wants you know what man. I mean? Because I've been, we've been oh, friends. We yeah. were homies. It was like you think she was going to try to steal your van? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> 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 take me for everything I own. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what is going through her fucking mind at this moment. She's like, I'm about to give this man the gift of his life right here. And he's going, well, let's talk about this. The ball's on you. This guy who's happy, he's happy to be on my couch. Yeah, yeah. I'm just instantly getting snobby. Like, hold on. You fucking drink whole milk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you don't have sex that night. Yeah, no, we do. Oh, you do? Yeah, about oh, yeah. seven in the morning, you know what I'm saying? We, went for, we talked for a while. It was kind of turned out being, she don't want to admit this part, but it turned out kind of romantic, like in a really cool, like, mm-hmm. we leveled with each other in a real way, and it was just like, yo, I was like, I'm cool with us, just whatever, but like, let's just not wake up tomorrow and have to deal with this. Like, what's, what's up? Like, okay. we've been friends a long time. She probably At this point, that. she's already helped me pick out a bed for my daughter and I'm trying to get custody of the kids. She knows all these other factors are like, she knows uh, kind of still in. And I'm like, where are we? You know, like, you know where I'm at. If like, if this ain't a serious thing, that's cool too. And just where is this happening mm. from? You know what I mean? You had feelings already. I knew that I loved that girl. I knew I loved her the night I met her at the bar. Be real. Were you stalling for the whiskey dick to wear? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. 6.59 a.m. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Showtime. Me. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, Showtime. yo. I'm like, I just need a minute to breathe. You've been feeding me alcohol and cocaine for seven hours. You know what I'm saying? Bruh. It's like, golly. Bum-ass cities tour still going strong. But first, we do have tickets left for one special taping in Houston at White Oak Music Hall, September 1st. Hurry up and buy those tickets before they sell out. But bum-ass cities, back to you. Indianapolis, I think it's called Naptown. I don't really know, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to act like I know things. August 23rd, I'm going to be there. Louisville, Kentucky, probably the only Indian there, August 24th. And then Poughkeepsie, P-O-U-G-H-K-E-E-P-S-I-E. I'm going to be there August 25th and 26th. Those dates and more. Oh, also, Stress Factory, India. When I say that, I mean New Jersey. I need to see y'all at the Stress Factory. I'm going to be there September 15th and 16th. Get your tickets at akashsing.com. Now let's get back to the show. Or maybe Mark's got some announcements. Sorry. Just got off a call with Hollywood. Turns out we have a show in Virginia Beach. That's right. This Thursday, August 17th. Virginia Beach, Virginia. Schultz's show is sold out. You know whose show isn't sold out? Me and Derek Poston. That's where we're going to be. Virginia Beach, August 17th. And then in September, September 7th, we're at Vulcan Gas Company in Austin, Texas. Schultz, we're going down there. We're doing the... Guys, you know what you can do. 
suck his penis please, after the shows. Please don't. When we were it's in Bray, always an option. When we were in Bray, a lot of people tried to suck my penis. And I, You're welcome. I didn't, I didn't like that one bit, all right? I didn't enjoy it. But if you want to come out and maybe shake my hand or just say hello, Virginia Beach this Thursday, August 17th, and then Vulcan Gas Company, September 7th, Austin, Texas. I cannot wait to see you guys. We're going to say hi to everyone afterwards. We're going to do a meet and greet. I'm giving everyone a big hug. We're taking pictures with every single person that comes out. Okay, this is inappropriate. We can edit that part out. I'll see you You guys. You don't have to, though. This is, my mom watches this. Let's get back to the show. The single best decision I've made in my whole life, second to probably getting custody of Bailey, is marrying Bunny. And I always say marrying Bunny was probably the biggest decision I ever made because I don't think I'd have got custody of my daughter without her. And were you intimidated initially by her? She's successful. You know what I mean? Also, like the line of work she's in initially yep. is like, were you were you scared by that? Were you scared that you were gonna get like jealous? Were you scared that you were gonna get your heart broken? Like No, nah, whenever I was young, so when I made I came out on bond at 17 where I got charged an adult for one of for the second robbery case. Yeah. And I immediately found a home in the local strip club. And I had a couple ladies in there that I fancied, and they fancied me, and and we had a, so I kind of, at early age, kind of wasn't, just didn't care. Like, I understood the concept of these girls dance all night, and then we go to fucking eat steak and shake and go home. You know what I mean? So, like, I always kind of separated that. You were dating two girls at the same time from the same strip club? Yeah. Yeah, it was a unique thing. That was that was their names. This motherfucker over here. This is yeah. This is this is this is a true unique story. thing, bro. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was her name. Yeah, no, 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 no. Fetish and Crystal was their name. <laughs> fetish? fetish. That was their stage names. I won't put their real names <laughs> out there, but they know who they are. <laughs> so both of them were they friends with each other? Yeah, they were ish. They kind of played. They played well together. It wasn't like a like a you know. I was messing with one girl, and she knew I kind of messed with the other girl. And the other girl worked multiple strip clubs, but it was a but. Everybody was cool with it. Yeah, the parallel was kind of the other. Would you, you know. all kind of hook up together? No, no, I never got that luxury at that moment. Who's luxury? Is the third stripper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bunny brought the luxury, dude. Bunny brought wait. the first two years. Me and Bunny were together. Man, she brought so many women home. Wait, 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 wait. it was wow. unreal. Oh, Let's stop yeah. for a second. Could you imagine? There's no, so, watch I'm, I'm imagining. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to imagine there is a skinny dude watching this right now with a six-pack that yeah. has worked out every day of his life. <laughs> he has taken dating classes. He's watched uh, Hancock, or which one was the Will Smith movie about the Hitch. dating thing? Hitch. He's Hitch. watched Hitched Hitch a thousand yeah, he's times. Hancock. Yeah. And he's got to watch this podcast and hear my fat ass talk about a threesome. You're like a- anti-Andrew Tate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Andrew Tate, you're... you're Okay, so she starts bringing <laughs> girls in. Does she tell you she's bringing girls home? Yeah, well, uh, first thing, she was like, I knew that was something she was with for sure. And then I didn't know how fast she would act on it. First time, what happened? Oh, Jesus. You get uh, the phone call or just she brings No, we're just, we're just out with one of her friends. And she just tells her friends, she's like, you should just come home with us. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was wild. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, this could be my new normal. And that, with that we did that for years. Did you get up immediately or did you have to start a fucking seven in the morning? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, I didn't care about the other girl's five-year plan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Me and mine already had our What's your five-minute plan? plan? <laughs> <laughs> you know, our five-year plan involved this being a very short-term thing. You know now, did she have to, like, teach you how to have a threesome? Yeah, sort of. Bunny had to teach me a lot of stuff because I thought I was, like, I'm still not, 
I'm still green as a pool table twice as square when it comes to sex <laughs> in comparison to her. Right. right. You know what I mean? Because the business she comes from, and that's something else that still intimidates me about Bunny, dude. It's like Bunny is like, you know, like you could like you ever heard of a such and such? And I'll be like, never. And she's like, it's a diddle-dud-diddle-dud. And I'm like, it's the nastiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, nothing. I can't believe that arouses men. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like right. she comes from that place, you know. Her story is the best story on earth. She says the day that she got realized that it was different was this, she was working at a strip club, and I hope I tell the story right, Mama Bear. She said that the girl came, and the dude came and said, I'll give you $1,000 to kick me in the nuts right now. Wow. And she was like, absolutely not. So she goes and tells her homegirl, it's fucking pervert back here offering me $1,000 to kick him in the nuts. Her, her homegirl goes, follow me. Walks over there and goes, is this him? He says, yes. She walks up, she goes, give me the money. The dude hands the money, and the girl just kicks him right in the nuts, Jesus. right? And then she looks at Bunny and goes, you better take that money next time, girl. And Buddy was like, right then. You know what I mean? She's like, fucking, from, I had some strip club stories, but not that. Wow. You know what I'm saying? For yeah. sure. Holy shit. Dude, we need to get Bunny on flagrant. Bunny's got the <laughs> yeah. wildest yeah. stories on earth. And, it is And insane. you guys will talk about them? You feel comfortable? Is, you're never like jealous or she's telling old stories from the strip clubs? Yeah, no, I'm not a, jealousy's not a trait of mine. How do you compartmentalize that? Because that's the woman you love. Yeah. You know, and then she's talking about other guys. Well, let me give you this perspective, man, was we're all homies here, right? Yeah. And we've y'all. I've watched y'all laugh and talk about Laney, right? Yeah. Like what dudes do, like as a natural thing is like yeah. we do dude stuff. Then we'll call our wife our best friend. But yeah. We'll say none of that to her. That's true. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I I'll say it to her. Yeah, I'll be like, you got a fucking wagon. On yeah, this. for sure. But it's like you know I mean? where Bunny was like that was part of us being best friends. Was I think that's the charming part of our relationship is that I can be like, yo, such and such is fucking fire. Like yo, I like I'll send Bunny Instagrams like yo, you seen this girl? Wow. You know what I mean? Like Bunny's like it's never like an awkward thing with Bunny about stuff like that. And I don't. So in return, and the problem is most dudes that have that relationship with their girl. It's not the other way. Like, but God forbid their girl likes a dude's picture with his shirt off or something, and this same dude that's gets possessed. You're comfortable with that? I'm super cool with that. Really? That don't bother me. None of that stuff. But man, that's my best friend, dude. So if she was If Bunny really wanted to go fuck a dude, it would be just like me and you being friends and me being like, yo, man, I, I kinda wanna go fuck this girl. Like, Bunny would sit me down, look me in the eye and go, yo. I like really am attracted to this for whatever reason. Like, that's a big part of like we're best, like, we're really, we carry each other like this. Whoa. You know what I mean? And ha, can I ask you if she's ever said that? Has she ever been, like, I'm into She's something? never actually, we had one time where me and her were in a rough patch, and she was just like, yo, if we don't figure this out, human nature's going to take over. You yeah, know what I mean? Wow. And I respected that. You know what I mean? And I respected that, you know, that that was cool, and. That's just a part of our, our dynamic. I think it's what makes it, you know, communication, man, just talking, being honest. This way we don't ever have to feel awkward. I never, yeah. have to feel like, I never have to feel like I get caught on Instagram when she's looking over my shoulder. Also, there's no pretending with you guys because she's seen you at your absolute, absolute lowest. And I might have seen her with money, but I've seen her at her lowest, too, because mm. that's something else. You know what I mean? When, like, Bunny don't do no drugs now. Bunny don't drink. I don't do cocaine no more. Like, we're relatively... You know, I, I noticed your list is a lot less restrictive than hers. I definitely do more drugs than her. Yeah. But uh, it's like Bunny just, you know, we met each other in that dark place and we we would sit out and talk about that five-year plan, dog. We, I'll get him, I don't want to get emotional talking about it, but like. Get emotional. We would like dream of this shit, bro. Mm -hmm. Like we would be like, 
She's like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to do this and this is how I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to do this and like, I'm going to do this and I'd be like, cool, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and then we like fucking figured that shit out together. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's fucking kind of the greatest American story ever told Bro. is how I feel about it. You know what I mean? One of the best things to do, I think, with your partner is plan. Oh, the future. Dreamcast? Dream. What do you oh. want to do? What do you want to make? Where do you want to go? I don't care if it's a vacation. I don't care if it's a house. What would you want your house to look like? And just set that vision. And I think it's really, one, it's really comforting to know that that other person is like, hey, we're working towards this. Yeah. But two, it's like, yeah, my life is with you in the future. When I right. think about the future, yeah. it's with both of us. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't think you should ever stop doing no. that. I don't, if you're 70 years old, hey, where, where do you want to go on vacation next summer? Where do you want to yeah. go on vacation when we're 80? Where do you want to retire? That's it, dude. As long as you're planning ahead. That's it, dude, yeah. and that's what we're doing. That's the shit we're talking about. It's like, and that's the shit we talked about from day one. She jokes that first night that I asked for a five-year plan. Yeah. That next morning, we really did make a five-year plan and knocked that motherfucker out the park. Wow. Dude. You know what I mean? Like, dead. we sat down every year now. We have a joke that every year we look at each other and go, we still into this? <laughs> and this year was the first year that she looked at me and was like, we still into this? And I was like, buddy, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm making forever plans for us now. Wow. Like, I'm not even in five years no more. Like, the decisions I'm making for our family right now, where I'm putting my money... And the investments I'm making on behalf of our family, even outside of the investments you're making, I'm planning on us doing this forever. Wow. I'm thinking about Bailey's kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's where my thoughts are. Like, I don't, I couldn't imagine being with nobody else but my wife. Yeah. You know? And you could if you wanted to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, shit, we're both on fire now. Is that how they take it away now. from you a little bit? Do, like, they throw a bunch of pussy at you in the beginning, and then you go... I don't really need all that. Yeah. And now you're fucking faithful for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind crazy. of a genius plan. It's really yeah. brilliant for both parties. Fuck. It works no, out really well. No, I think. for sure. You know what they're doing, these women, man. Yeah. They're fucking smart. They're doing, man. Definitely smarter than us. Bunny still carries, I'd say, our whole, you know, I mean, even down to like, the whole house, dude. Like, I don't know what's happening with that house. Yo, same. How great is that? Yeah, it's fucking the best feeling on earth. Yeah. It's like I have, I'm so di disconnected from it. Like, I know in 30 years, me and you will both be living in a van while our wives have houses. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, it's just awesome for to know that they're okay. figuring things 100%. out. They're just texting each other behind their backs. Yeah. Like, these idiots don't even have it in their name. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a well, phone he, in my name in seven years. <laughs> yeah. my, my phone's still in my mom's name. Yeah. <laughs> my mom fucked my credit up putting my phone in her name, Bell South, and when I was seven or something. I have <laughs> a restaurant that failed in my name. Did you know you what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We out here, yo. We out here, bro. What's up? This is awesome. <laughs> Rebuilt that credit score. You got it. Fuck. I'll never forget the first time I looked into my credit score and they were like, I guess you owe Bell South, which was, eight, which, it, I guess, 18. That's how long ago it was, Bell South. Mm. They said, which ended up getting picked up by a collection agency for like 18 grand. I was like, what year was this? It was like 97. I was like, I was 12. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, she burned all kind of stuff down in my credit. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Thing, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, white trashery at its fire. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, white man. White trashery. Was cutting out cocaine really difficult? It was. It wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because I had a buddy get a pack of with some fentanyl in it, kill him. Oh, oh fuck. shit! Uh, yeah, Cushy. He died earlier this year, and when he, and I'd already quit doing it a lot, but I'd still like if I got really drunk, I'd follow my nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But 
the way I described it was there's probably four or five people on earth that I trust enough that they could open up a bag of cocaine and I wouldn't think twice. Mm. And he was one of those five people. And it got him. Wow. That's all it took for me to be like, man, this is, and we got tester strips and stuff. Like, you know, we we try to do as much as we can to be smart about it anyways. But I just, right then I was like, I'll never touch that shit again. Wow. Y'all are going to be proud of me, dude. I'm only drinking like maybe three days a month now. What? Three days a month. God bless, dude. That's I'm, amazing. I'm, man, I'm just, I'm taking this so serious, Schultz. Like, as much as we sit around and fuck around, dog, like, one thing I know about y'all and y'all know about me is, like, man, when it's time, like, not to, to, you know, like, I take it, like, dog, I'm taking days of vocal rest. I'm doing 30, 45-minute vocal warm-ups a night, vocal cool-downs after the show. Like, I brought a nutritionist on tour. I've lost 20-something pounds. Let's fucking go. I got a dude that worked with all the UFC guys. He's one of George Lockhart's guys, Ian Larios. He just did the Jamal Hill when he fought for the 205 title last year. He does all the weight cuts and stuff. Man, we're down like 20-something pounds working out every day. Like, I'm taking this shit like... Is this the most sober you've ever been? Yeah, it's definitely the most clear-headed I've ever been. Oh, wow. And how does it feel? Do you feel better day-to-day? Is reality, like, how weighing on you? How does it feel you? to feel? It yeah. feels good. Yeah. It feels good. I'm still smoking a lot of reefer. But, um, <laughs> and I'll still, like, it'd be probably three days a month I'll tie it on the way I tie it on. When I drink, I still drink the way I drink. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? What y'all see. Yeah. But, Save one of those three days for yeah. us the next oh, time. <laughs> it's a guarantee. It's a fucking, it's in stone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a drunk I've been looking forward to forever. Last <laughs> time y'all took me out to get drunk, it was at a gay chicken shack. <laughs> Nobody oh, ever told right. us that was a gay bar. You know what I'm saying? Which it didn't bother. That night it was. Crazy. It was a gay yeah. bar. The yeah. squat and gobbles a gay bar? Yeah. Dude, what yeah. the fuck? Why did we take you there, dude? It was awesome, squat though. And gobble. Hey, that chicken was fire. It was, like, it was in Winwood. It was. Uh, yeah, I don't actually remember the name of it. Yeah. The chicken was fire, though. The I, chicken was fire. You know, it's funny that you say that you, you stopped drinking. Like, I was telling Mark even this weekend, and I was like, I think I might quit drinking. Mm. And he's like, why? And I was like, I've just seen people that get to the position where I want to get and they're either sober or alcoholics. Mm. There's very few that are right. in the middle. Right. And I think the way that you cope is you either completely detach yourself and that's just go crazy with the alcohol or get to know your fucking self right. and handle that shit. So I think it's really smart, man, yeah. to get ahead of it because sometimes the pressure is gonna be there and the only way to handle it is just to get a little fucking breath of fresh air. It's not even you love the alcohol, it's just you like to detach for a second. Yeah, yeah. what a smart idea to get to get ahead of it. Yep, I'm doing it like roadie Fridays is what they call it on the road. So all the roadies, like the guys who like load stuff and yeah. uh, you know, 61 people on this tour. We're, eight, we're eight, nine buses, 10 trucks. I mean, it's a big tour, you know? And those dudes will only drink if we have the next day off. Mm. And we're doing five shows a week. So what I'll do is about every other roadie Friday, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, all right, we got a day clean off tomorrow. I can get an Let's IV get and it. really relax and, and, I'll, and I'll go for it. Like the other night, we played Bridgeport, Connecticut, right up the street, and I came out, and I, I got smacked. <laughs> May was so awesome. It was the first time on the whole tour that I got drunk. Well, the first time I got drunk on the tour was the night before tour started. <laughs> we had all our stuff set up at the first show, so we're like, I go to see the show, which was really cool for me because I've been a lifelong Jelly Roll fan but never seen a show. So I got to go sit, I got to go sit out in the front of house and they did all the lights, and the band ran yeah. the show through. So we're making our final, final notes, and I'm getting to see it in an amphitheater, not like a closed space. Yeah. So I'm getting to really see what it is, and I was so excited by how the show looked that I came backstage with the band. I was like, we should have a drink. 
And in true jelly fashion, at like 8 o'clock that next morning, my wife texts me and goes, you need to go to the bus. I was sitting in the parking lot just getting smacked. <laughs> just, just sitting in the parking lot of this amphitheater in Memphis. It's fucking scorching hot. And I'm just sitting out there cranking. I guess we ended up breaking a bunch of bottles on a trailer truck or something. It's like, oh. we're just old, drunk, you know, white, just rednecks, really. Oh, hell you know what I'm It was okay. awesome. I got another question. I'm so sad. I almost thought at least one of y'all would have a cross on your face today. When I watched it, <laughs> listen, listen, y'all blew it. When Man. I seen the Jadion S, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody had the do-rags, I see y'all do, I thought y'all were going to wear cowboy hats for that Mexican OT. But I was like, we yeah. need one of them to come in with a cross on their face. Can you tell oh, me about, uh, <laughs> can you tell me about Lil Ron? Little Ron? Yes. Oh, dude, the midget we adopted. <laughs> this was so awesome, dude. Well, you never heard this story, Charles? No. Oh, it's the best story ever. So we're in West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, of all places. We're at a casino on a day off. And we go. I get the casino to take the shuttle bus down to uh, where this hibachi spot was in a strip mall connected to a Walmart. That's where we are in America. And I'm like, next to the Walmart hibachi spot smoke store. It's all like 25 of the, me and the crew. I took us all out to eat. We're coming out. We've been joking for years that if we ever found a midget or a little person, that <laughs> we were going to hire him on the spot and make him our tour manager's assistant. His name's Ron. And we were going to call the midget Little Ron. That was our plan, right? We <laughs> joked about this on the bus, smoking weed and eating edibles for years. <laughs> and Scary Larry, one of my friends since we were in Juvenile Hall together, who's on this tour with me right now, Walks over to the smoke shop and he comes out smiling. He goes, he's fucking in there. He's in there. He's in there. And I go, what? He said, one of them is in there right now. One of them. And I go, I go one of what? And I look in and I go, holy shit, it's little Ron. And I come back to the dudes and I'm like, yo, little Ron is in here, y'all. I was like, little Ron is in here, right? So little Ron comes out of the uh, smoke shop right then. 25 of us erupt. We cheer, right? And at that moment, it's kind of make or break, right? He's either going to flip us off or just kind of walk off. He, he throws his hands up. He just, he embraces it, right? Mm -hmm. And then we start chanting, little Ron, little Ron, little Ron. He gets all excited. He comes over to us like a little puppy, just all tail wagging, just fucking, <laughs> he's fucking, <laughs> he's all fired up, right? Tail wagging. He walks, he looks, he looks up at us, and I'm like, do you want to go on tour? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> no hesitation, Alex. No hesitation, dog. He goes, yeah. And I go, like, right now? He's like, yeah. He's wearing a Burger King shirt. And I was like, I'll pay you whatever Burger King pays you. I'll pay you more than whatever Burger King pays you, and I'll give you living. And when we're not on tour, I'll get you a place in Nashville. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, do you need anything? Do you, do you want to send you an Oak Get Your Car Service to take you home to get your stuff? He goes, No. I'm ready to go. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. This is the truest story of ever, dude. He gets on the shuttle bus. We go straight to the casino. I give him $500 in chips to gamble with. Take him straight to the um, crap table because I thought that's where I'd get the best bang for my buck because I got to watch him go. Through the sky hook. He like he was throwing grenades. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> we're having a ball. Oh, and he gets on the bus that night to go to the next city with us. And for a year, 
Little Ron works for me on tour. We carried Little Ron with us for a calendar year, dude. He turned out to be the tour manager's assistant. I didn't know his real name until he quit. What was his real name? Chris. So now we call him Big Chris. Yeah. Look, that's the truth. He worked with us for a whole year. He went back to Nashville. We got him outfits and stuff. I bought him a bunch of tight Why did he quit? Did he have to like make toys for Santa? Or what so was he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he had a girl that he was fancying up and, you know, some some ex-girlfriend came back in the picture and I think oh, they ended wow. up having a kid. Oh, beautiful. So I know he's got like Regular three, size, three four kids size. now. I don't know Fun about size. it. I should ask. I will say this. He always, there was this one one girl that knew him that came to a show one night. I, I'm haunted by this memory. And she you know how certain things happen. You watch and you're like, I'll never forget that. And that sucks. And this is it. He goes, walks over to the girl and she goes, and she's like, he's like, it's my ex-girlfriend. He's drunk, by the way. Lil Ron was a raging alcoholic. And we'd make him carry the handles of liquor. He looks at this girl and he goes, Am I still the biggest you ever had? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, are you telling me little dude got a dick on him? I was like, is that what I'm hearing? Wait, are their dicks regular size, like Listen, their heads? I'm telling you, man, he talked about there, there has to be, because some of their body is regular. Like their heads are normal size, but their dicks might also be normal size, right? Right? That's, know, that's possible. Listen, I know he talked about it like he was working with something. That's for sure, dude. I mean, he brought it up wow. all the time. Black midget, white midget? He was a little white guy. Damn, yep. Alex. Yep. Damn, bro. You didn't actually see it? No, like, no, no. Y'all didn't I look at his dick, bro? So I'm sure somebody's seen Come it, on. but I've been to jail, man. I'm not big on what pickle people. What do we got? This guy Come on. Is, Come on. Ain't no fucking way. Ain't no fucking way. That shit comes out of a submarine, bro. There's no way that that is an actual... So that's crazy. Oh, Jesus. Nah, that's point five. That's point five. Oh, Dude, I can't so, believe is that you, you Mark? No, that's no, come look on. Look at the bottom of yours. Look at the bottom of that photo. That's, that's your Mark. Face, that's not me, bro. <laughs> that's Mark. That's Mark. Oh my God, Mark. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> come on. Take this off damn. the screen. You pack it, bro. Take it off the screen. Come on, Christ, man. Susan charges. Who's in charge of this shit up? Wait, I guess. Oh my God, dog. Wow. I never thought I'd come on the flagrant broadcast and see a midget cock. I can't believe that you didn't look at. Or at least try to see. Yeah. Man, I'm dude, disappointed. Pecker peeping is frowned on in jail, so I, I stay away from the pecker peeping. All right, fair enough. Damn. I want to hear the story from his side when he's like, yeah, these guys just kidnapped me from my Burger King job. <laughs> <laughs> they let me go for a year. <laughs> like, can we call? We'll I, start, I wish I had his number. I'd call him right now. I tried to start a campaign in the group chat for tour the other day to bring him back. But the night got I got it. drunk in Bridgeport, I was like, I miss Little Ron. Was he good at his job? I got to pee. They go. said he wasn't. They said he wasn't. They said he wasn't good at his job. I like that it's a conspiracy. He's like, yeah. they, you know, <laughs> they, those other people. Yeah, but like I knew the he was people good. That, yeah, I thought he was great. But <laughs> I can't judge people too much on their job because the guy he worked for was not impressed. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah but I thought he was killing it. Every I mean, time I needed something from him, fucking it was awesome. It was great. <laughs> he was the best energy. He was never sad. You know what I'm saying? It never made me sad. I'm telling you, it was like a puppy. Yeah. It was like having a dog on tour. Every time you see him, you just instantly smile. You're like, this is so cool. It's the best decision we've ever made. <laughs> would you call him? What would you? Like, I brought him on stage to take shots all the time. He was great. Really? Dude, he partied, man. He was a lot of fun. And I use the word midget endearingly because, like, I use the word bitch endearingly. 
disagreeing with. Yeah. Because he said it. He called himself a midget. He used to joke about it, people. He'd be like, don't call me no fucking little person. Don't belittle me like that. I'm a fucking midget. He was like, I swear, that's what he said. He said, don't belittle me like that. He said, I'm a fucking midget. Dude. Bro, he had a whole rant about You ever heard that story about Daniel Tosh? When he went into a meeting with Comedy Central, he was like, can I bring my security? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. And he walked in with two security guards, sunglasses, suits, and they were both dwarves. Oh, that's fucking And they just awesome. stood behind him the whole time, and he never said anything about it. Fuck. So he sat there in the meeting, and the two midgets were just behind him. Just <laughs> and he was like, just in case anything is out of control, you know, I got my guy. <laughs> and they did the whole- Straight thing. face. Straight face. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that's what you need, bro. You need dwarf security. Listen, I would take one to- I would hire another dwarf today just to have him on top. So God funny. forbid we find one that knows about road work and can actually do something, because you could oh. almost get hired just having- Having that disability, you know what I'm saying? Because he was you know more I mean? getting by on his midgetness than he was his skill set. For sure, and his, and his energy. His energy. But like, what would they be good at on tour? Like, what would be scurrying? They're really good scurrying. <laughs> <laughs> they do you are, need right? that? Did you see him rush to go get something? They get what, it quick. What they try to do to this guy? And it was so petty. With the like, the tour manager would make him carry the soundboard case every day. Wow. And it was like watching this poor guy drag a dead deer carcass. It was like <laughs> the soundboard was like he'd have to hold. It was like it was so bad. And I was like, y'all are evil, man. <laughs> <laughs> one time they put a ladder. They gave him the top bunk one night, oh, and they put oh, no. a little ladder down. It was so they were fucked up, kind of. When I think about it, <laughs> damn, I would have thrown him out every night to fucking yeah. crowd surf. Also from the fucking stage, like what was Wall Street? Is it hard to? <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a break for a second because you need a better-for-you adult beverage, okay? Not some can of beer filled with a bunch of bullshit ingredients that you've never heard of or some cheap vodka that's going to make your hangover crazy. That's why you need June Shine, okay? They have tons of easy-to-drink, to-go adult beverage options, all right? They got the margaritas, the vodka sodas, and rum cocktails made with premium ingredients, and they have no added Sugar, okay? Unlike traditional canned cocktails, they can have 20 plus grams of sugar. That hangover is gonna be absolutely brutal with those. This is a perfect beverage for taking to the beach. Hey, 4th of July, barbecue's already passed, but Labor Day is coming up, so you will have something to drink on that very special holiday. They got the flavors like passion fruit, uh, vodka soda, and the Mai Tai rum, and best of all, it doesn't leave you with that I just drank a lot of sugar feeling. June Shine gives you a lighter, brighter buzz, okay? It can be found in over 10,000 stores across the country. It's available at all retailers. You're already visiting for groceries and alcohol, like Whole Foods, Target, Ralph's, Vons, Albertsons, Kroger, Wegmans, Total Wine, BevMo, Safeway, and more. But we've worked out a special offer for our listeners. At any store, you can buy one June Shine package and get the second for only a penny. Think about that. That's 12 to $20 in value. Now, I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to try all their delicious flavors. Go to juneshine.com slash flagrant. Text them a photo of your receipt, and they will Venmo you immediately. It's that easy. That is J-U-N-E-S-H-I-N-E dot com slash flagrant. Now, let's get back to the show. Is it hard to <laughs> fire people? Like, your crew feels so tight-knit, but then there are people who are going to, you know— not do their job. Is that hard for you? Man, it was, but I got out of the hiring and firing business last year. So you have someone and then that's their yeah, job. I have a manager now that I just completely just like, yo, man, I don't even, 
So you get to be family with everybody, and then if someone fucks up, the manager gets to handle that. One hundred percent. Yeah, and it's like because I don't hire them either. Oh. So it's like that's what I learned with like the little Ron stuff is like when you get like when the tour is that big, I'm disconnected from who is and isn't doing their job. So I just have to trust the tour management when they go, "Hey, man, our." production assistant's not working. He's got to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I might love the guy, dude. We might smoke a joint every night after the show. I think the dude's the sweetest dude on earth, but I don't know that he's not carrying so his weight on that side. I just got to trust them. My bus is my bus. That's most of my guys I've been with forever. Y'all remember my big Samoan guy? Yeah. 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 Like, my crew is still my crew. Boston, all of them except for Don, who had a baby. I remember I got a new camera guy because Don went on to get married and have a kid, but like, same crew. So my bus is different. I hire my bus. But my bus is the homie bus. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the wife has her own bus. Oh, really? Yeah, she brought her own bus out, dude. Bunny is a boss bitch, dude. She is different. <laughs> she is just different, dude. She's just like, who's in her you? bus? Her, her, own, her crew. Her little squad. Yeah, she's got her own little crew. Does she do the pod from the bus? Or yeah, like yeah. That? She does the pod on the bus That's now, good. and she's doing um, genius. And she's doing, uh, you know, she t she's a TikTok monster. So Bunny's like, you know, she follows the algorithm. She does like five uploads a day from three oh, different wow. days. It's like, she really... She's building something over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm famous on TikTok, and I don't know. <laughs> her, you know all the time, people are like, I've seen your margarita thing. I was like, she posted that? You know. What's the margarita thing? Give me one margarita, I'm going to open my leg. You heard that shit? Give me yeah. two margaritas, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need some head. Yeah. Yeah. You did one of those? I came in drunk dancing one night doing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of, of the homie bus, which one of the homies is the biggest liability? All of them. Shit. <laughs> so many of them. Um... Probably, fuck. That's a fuck. I hate y'all. These are all the get you in trouble questions. Yeah. <laughs> probably, uh, maybe scary, Larry. Probably just because you know he's in charge of the the miscellaneous nefarious uh, stuff. Uh, so by default, he's he's the backpack. I wouldn't want to get searched. Oh hell, you know yeah. what I'm saying? If that makes sense, you know. So and, and what, go go. Well, I'm just want to know more about him. Like, what's his backstory? Like, what's his? What's we his met whole each deal? other in juvenile hall. What was um, he in there for? I forgot what he was even in there for back then, but he was a, uh, it was a white dude that had dreadlocks and he was like, you know, like a juggalo and I loved all the juggalos. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'll never forget, we almost got in a fight because I was beating on my cell door rapping. And one night he was like, just shut the fuck up. And I was like, fuck that guy in cell 223 trying to talk shit to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, just talking shit. And the next day we became homies. Oh, wow. And why is he called Scary Larry? Because he's ugly as a motherfucker. <laughs> Scary Larry is so ugly, dude. He's the ugliest friend I have by a lot. But listen. <laughs> <laughs> but by a lot. Is that necessary? Is that necessary? Bring up Scary Larry right so. now. But, God but damn. You're not going to get no satisfaction because you got to see the new Does Scary he, Larry with the skullet. You got to see the Scary skullet? Yeah, I, gotta, I talked him into getting a skullet. What is that? That's bald on Larry, top of That's then? Scary Larry. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. Scary's been around, dude. Yeah, Scary yeah. Larry was hanging with us at the gay chicken spot. Yeah. Scary Larry's the guy, dude. Yeah, Scary Larry's the homie. But now, you know, he's bald on top. I talked him into growing in the skullet. And it's fire. The skullet's kind of fire. Wait, what do you mean a skullet? Yeah, what's that? Yeah, it's like a mullet. It's like if you just started growing your hair out and just the back fell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you were bald up here, but you know, you know, you know how they have like the uh, wings. Okay, it's, it's like a mullet it's, with yeah. nothing on top. It's the reverse. Yes, the reverse. It's the complete. Yeah. It's the polar yeah. opposite uh, of yeah. <laughs> fucking the Schultz cut. Wow. Scary. Oh, that, that's amazing. Yep. Scary Larry's been with us forever. The Boston. I mean, they're all. We're all still there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Still fucking same, same old shit, dog. I just don't know the other 52 people on tour. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I know them, but I don't know them. You know what I mean? So. That's crazy. That's the hardest thing for me, letting go of uh, uh, creative control. And you do that a little bit when you have 60 people that are all putting together that show. Yeah, for sure. That's tough. Yeah, 100%. It's also like, but I'll always be jealous of y'all, though, because you don't, none of that shit matters in your world. Like, y'all motherfuckers fly in with five of the homies and fucking go, y'all don't even do a mic check. You just trust that whoever's out there has got it under control. Nah, bro, now we got to do that. You're going to do a line check at least? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're playing in places now that are so big, even the line check's scary because it ain't no, you know, you're just hearing the reverberation of the of your voice. Oh, that's our favorite part of the yeah. tour. When we go in and there's an echo, and every single time the sound guy goes, <laughs> when the people come in here, yeah. there won't be any echo. Yeah, yeah. they like, always tell you, they're like, oh, you put some, oh, I love when the sound, the old roadies use the word blood bags. The <laughs> they're worst. called blood bags. It's like, you put people. a few thousand blood bags in here, it's going to sound great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, these are fucking people with spirits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, these are, are my fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Give me a career. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a blood bag. I think that's been a big part of our success, though, man. Every We have a firm belief that it's not a ticket stub, it's a story. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, like, when I started, like, really looking at it that way, like, this isn't a stub. Because, like, y'all know how the business is. Sometimes you get so caught up looking at the numbers that you got to step back and go, man, that's 23,000 spirits. That was the moment I had yesterday. I even posted on the story, and I, I genuinely was not trying to brag. I, I just couldn't believe that we were playing a venue where the Australian Open is. And I was just sitting there laughing to myself. My wife was even like, what are you laughing about? And I was like, I don't even know. Like I was trying to find wording for it to explain it. I still can't. And this is in a different fucking country, dude. The yeah. top opens. It's, the, it's fucking, you're going. This the is, top of the venue goes like that. This and is in Australia, sky. though, right? Yeah. This is Australia. Fuck. I'm like, what is going on? So I was just dying laughing to myself. What an absurd, like, it's absurd. Oh, it's in, especially, I couldn't even wrap my, I feel that way when it happens in Tennessee. Yeah. I couldn't imagine how you feel knowing that it's like 20 fucking hours by plane yeah. from right here. Yeah. I can drive to Los Angeles <laughs> before you're going to get to fucking Australia yeah. almost. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Think about that. If I got in a fucking Tahoe today and you got on a plane to fucking <laughs> Australia, we would get there close to the same fucking time. Fucking you know what crazy. I'm saying? That's insane. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, and that many motherfuckers are buying a ticket to come here. You just talk shit it's about their country. All over their country. Dude. Just, you sit there and you just go, what is going on right now? Right? You just, it, I, I don't even know how to explain it even right now. Uh, it's cr- and then the logistics, y'all are having, are y'all taking production? It's too big not to. Yeah. Right? So we so do you're the having Production and outsource the production over there. Yeah. And then you have to buy all the things to make the space. Because, you know, I want this to be the best show they've ever seen. 100%. And I think it's important when you, and you get this, you were explaining it earlier, but like when you go to a bigger venue, the show has to be bigger. 100%. And they deserve it. Because they're fucking spending their hard-earned money to come out to the show. So they deserve a show that fits that space. So getting into the creative with that and hopefully finding the people that are just as passionate as I am about comedy, about production for a show. That like, I, I, I saw Taylor Swift show when I was out in LA with my wife. You and went to one of the SoFi shows? I went to one of the SoFi shows. And I, 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 I apologized to her live during the show. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I am sorry, I have been so hacky in hating you. Yeah. It is hack. 
Yeah. To hate her without experiencing what she does. Right. And I get it. You only see her at an award show or something like that, like accept an award, and you're like, oh, this might feel inauthentic, whatever. But then you go watch her command 100,000 people mm. masterfully, mm. and you realize that not only is she incredible at what she, she's writing the fucking songs. That's another thing. It's yes. not like there's this team of 100 people that are here's, here's the song. Like, she's written fucking hundreds yeah. of songs by herself. Every song she's ever sang almost. So it's like, and you're going, oh, wow. And she has the songs that I, we all know as comedians, there's a joke you have where it's like, if you need to, doesn't matter what the audience, it could be the worst audience in the world, but you know you go to it and everybody's like, oh shit, it's right. on. She, she just has a hundred of those. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching this and I'm like, it's not only is she great, everybody else on the team is the Taylor Swift of lighting or video yes. or whatever. And it was one of those moments where I'm sitting back and I'm like, oh, that's what we need to do. We need to find the person that's that dedicated to the fucking stage design. Yes. That's that dedicated to the video, the lighting, the, 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 the video production, and you're just watching it live. It was really inspiring, and I felt, I felt bad. I was like, I, I can't believe that I didn't give this brilliant talent a shot, because yeah. she's brilliant. Yes. Undeniable. Even if you don't, Undeniable. if you find her personality, whatever, which I do, you can't deny greatness, and it's just flat out greatness. So many songs slap. That you're like, She's oh, one of those artists that you think you know three songs, yeah. and then halfway through your set, you're like, I know every song she's ever wrote. Bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like that kind of a moment. We did that exact her. thing last yeah. week, I think, on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, it's really inspiring, and it makes you go, okay, wow. When you get this big, that's what it needs to be for sure. Yeah. And she's also set a bar, like her, like people like her. And Beyonce yeah. have adopted the stadium era in a way mm -hmm. that it's made like even Edge new tour, Ed Sharon's yep, tour is yeah, like you could tell that he ramped up too. He was like, Oh no, we're playing big league ball over there. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like yeah. it's just you feel the difference in all of it. And I think that's also why more shows are selling more tickets now than ever. And people are like, Well, I think it's still some of the pandemic stuff. I'm like, man, we're years removed from that. Yeah. I think that people have finally adopted the right philosophy in these venues yeah. and they're putting on the right shows. Make your show fit the venue you're in. Exactly. You can't take your theater show and then put it in a stadium mm -mm. and expect them to feel the same intimacy. Right. You have to curate that fucking intimacy. 100%. And that's smart that you're going about it that way. And that's probably why you have 23,000 fucking people that are gonna come out in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Or it's, they know, and I assume they know and feel appreciative of the effort that went into it. I, I'm at this Taylor show, and I'm not even a fan, and I'm seeing these women give everything to her. They're so excited to see her up there, and I'm so engaged by the show, and I felt grateful. It was one of those things I was like, wow, like the effort that must have gone into this. Right. And yeah, it just made me feel like you gotta reinvest in the show. Yeah. You have to. They deserve it. Yeah, especially those, those kids, man, they're like, good point with that, giving all that to Taylor is like, because Taylor's not singing her song. She's singing their song. Bro, and like, she's superwoman to them. Yeah. I've real in the moment I got it, I was like, she is the confidence that they all wish they had. She is the kindness that they wish they had. Bro, she's I don't even care if she's doing this in the show to like as a PR stunt. I don't even care. I don't think it is, but even if it was a fun, she's like making moments to give it up for the the crew, yeah. give it up for new musicians that are on the tour, they're like giving the spotlight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, even if she's doing that to like look nice, she's still fucking doing it. Right, for sure. 100%. And it feels authentic in, in the moment. And I was just like, 
wow. Yeah. Like, and you see these girls that are like, she is what I want to be. She says the things to her exes I wish I said to yeah. mine. She leaves the guys that weren't good for her, and I wish I had the confidence to do that. And they get to show up there, and they get to almost like live vicariously through that, the music. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it was, it was really impressive to it's see. It's special, man. It's spiritual. It's, um, it's a trip. It's also... I'm just kidding. I ain't go, bro. <laughs> no, there's no way. There's no way. You did not talk that passionately about Taylor Swift on a fucking Imagine, face. I ain't going that shit, bro. Kanye for life. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the tour, but I felt like I have on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's over. much on the story. I've never seen something go viral like a concert. Yeah. Like her fucking... But, dude... We're in the golden era of this, right? Like, we're all going to look back at this moment, not of just our careers, and go, what a cool moment to have exploded. Hell, anyways. yes. There's more arena acts and comedy than there's ever been mm -hmm. by a fucking country mile, mm -hmm. right? 100%. There's more stadium acts and music than there's ever been. There's more arena acts and music than there's ever been. You're talking about how God blessed me, dude. I came into country music right on the tip of country music becoming the coolest genre on earth on for the earth. first time since 92. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like 30 fucking years have passed where country music has been like Bro. treated like Nickelback. Then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it it was I mean? literally growing up, you would in New York or LA, you would have people say, oh, I like every music except country. country. Yeah, they still, they that say was like a South common too. thing yeah. that people so would hacky. say. Yeah. And now I think that's done. Yeah. And I think for a while there were people that like in New York and you know California that were like like low key country fans, and now nobody's afraid to admit it. Right. It's almost like a badge of honor. It's almost yeah. like now, now you're like being rebellious by being a coastal elite country fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's crazy, dude. Yeah. We're talking about country bars. Who was it that was just out here talking about? Was it Dove? Uh, yeah. No, I was just talking about you went somewhere the other day. And no, I was like, in Toronto and L.A. in the same week in both cities. The hottest new bar is a country bar. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I'm telling you. But it's not – it's it's everyone. It's everyone that would have been at a hip-hop bar or a house bar. Yeah. It's live music, country, and that's the theme of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, it's like – just talking about just like being in that era. Like I just came in right there on the – front side of country music exploding into pop culture. You know what I mean? Like, fucking how? We got to make sure we thank our sponsors, Morgan & Morgan, the best injury law firm in the game, because they are sending two listeners to the UFC event in Boston this week. So thank you, Morgan & Morgan. We appreciate what you do. You know what to do if you get injured. For, the, for your shows, uh, do you feel a sense of community at the live show? Oh, dude, it's church. So that's, that's something I noticed also at Taylor. I'm curious, like... How do you curate that? Is that something that happens authentically? You hear about these these like iconic bands like Fish or um, Grateful Dead. One? Grateful Dead. That like it's every show is like Burning Man. Every show is this like communal retreat where everybody gets to be this version of themselves they might not get to be in the real world. And I feel like that's how you create that impactful live experience where people need to come back, yeah. where they're accessing something that they don't really get to access normally. So are you seeing that at the shows? Oh, God, dude, this is like, what we do is special in this way. It's like a Sunday service in the South, right? If you've never been to an old back row Baptist church, I hate to be judgy here, but don't look like any of y'all have, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Have you been to an old back row Baptist black, church? But yeah. Yeah. A black Baptist church? Yeah. That's the, that got, we went to the best one you could have went to. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like, am I still good on sound? I just fucking touched no, my microphone. Good. Okay. Um, we fucking, 
It's this thing they do, Schultz, right? Where they, like, the message on them old back roads are like, they sing this music to kind of get you into it, mm. right? And then he goes into this sermon, and it's like hellfire and brimstone, but with jokes, and there's laughs here and there, and then it's scary at moments, and then it's like tearful, like emotional. And then at the end of it, it's like you hear that organ hit a major chord, Oof. right? And it's like, man, but there's hope. And I was like, that's what I want my show to feel like. That's you know what I mean? I want to create that experience. I want us to laugh. I want us to dance. I want us to cry. And at the end of this thing, I want us to feel a little cleansed. You know what I mean? Like, I want it to yes. be like a little bit of a baptism. I call this tour the back road baptism yeah. tour because it's like I wanted this to feel like. So it's very leaned into like a churchy theme as far as like how we presented and the banter between the songs. That's emotionally nutritious. Yeah. You know, it's it, good for the spirit, man. Have yeah. you had moments with fans? Because like your music connects so deeply on like a real primal level. Have you had moments with fans, either this tour or tours previously, like real stories where people have like touched you, or that you've had like connection with people? You're like, I didn't even know I could have this kind of moment with a stranger. Dude, there was a uh, every night. I'm not even making that up. I'll give you the most recent one. That's how that's how often it happens. Virginia Beach. There was a woman who her and her husband had bought tickets to my show, and then he had overdosed like six weeks ago and died. And she kept hitting me like, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling like led to go for him. Mm. You know, it's like, man, I'm sorry. I'm not always this emotional. It's just fucking my life's changing in weird ways. But it's like, so I'm finally like, yo, I, I, I got to meet you. You know what I mean? Like to watch her come back and like tell me this story and like her, his family's there. So his mother's with her and the brother-in-law and like all these people that are, you know, that were really there for him. Mm. Like the amount of like rest in peace shirts or it's crazy, dude. I had a dude holding a sign the same show that said, um, you helped me on life support when I overdosed. So I brought him backstage mm. and hear his story. And his wife's like, yo, this dude was like, I just played Save Me and Son of a Sinner just on a looping repeat the entire time he was on literally intubated. You know what I mean? This guy's like, you can see the scar on his neck, like his voice is raspy, like it's just crazy. And that's every single, and that what, you know, what hurts the most is I only get to hear a few of those every night. Yeah, There's 23,000 of them every night. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like this is, you, I tell people all the time, you didn't end up here because it's culturally cool. That's not what a jelly roll show is. It's not like, oh, the hip thing to do is go to a jelly roll show. Like, yeah, these yeah. people know they're coming to purge. Yeah. Like, we know that. Like, it's a fair exchange between each other. Like, we know what's happening tonight, y'all. Like, we're purging. Does it ever get like, heavy for you, though? Because it being in an empath, like. Yeah, it, it, man, a little bit, but I, I find more purpose in it. Hmm. So it's like, as soon as it gets heavy, it's like, I feel better because I'm like, man, what a gift that I'm making millions of fucking dollars, like a poor, poor kid making millions of dollars in and out of jail his whole life. And I'm doing it by helping people like in a real way. Like I'm really like connecting and like making a difference in their life. Like I do this for fucking free. Yeah. I tell people all the time, man, and you can, you can have this one. I give this one to you. My, my uh, guitar player's uh, mother gave it to me. You don't pay me for that hour I'm on stage. That's on the house, baby. I'll do that for you the rest of my life. Yep. You pay me for the 30 years it took to get to the stage and yep. for the 23 hours today I wasn't on it. Yeah. But that hour I'm on that stage, yeah. that's on the crib, baby. I'll do that free forever. 
I'll never, I'll never want to feel like I'm charging you for that hour. Hmm. I'm charging you because this venue made you open the door. I have a rule in the music business. If everybody agrees to do it for free, I'm I'll in. do it for free. I'll yeah, be one yeah. of the few artists that's in. Yeah. You'll watch a lot of people hightail and hit, and all the suits are leaving. Yeah. But if the suits and the artists all agree, we're going to do this for free, I'm in. I'm still put, I'm putting out an album next year for sure. I'm yeah. touring for sure. You know, so it's like, but then on top of that, like God puts you in a situation to change your life defy all these odds, make all this fucking money, and fucking people are crying, like, thanking me, and I'm crying back to them, thanking them. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, imagine how cathartic that is for somebody who is relating to that song specifically so much, and then being around 20,000 other people that are right. feeling the same way. <sighs> like, like, you've listened to it by yourself and cried, and now you're surrounded by all these people and you're looking to your right and they're crying yep. and you're looking to your left and they're crying mm. and you're like, one, you go, wow, I'm not alone, which is a really fucking amazing yep. feeling to have when you're thinking of maybe leaving this world, yep. right? It's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, my, my mom would always say how lucky her and my dad were that they make a... They made a living, they would teach dance classes, but it was like, we're really lucky that we make a living uh, doing something that makes people feel good. Right. We're like, so lucky. She's, she's like, you know, some people make a living telling people that uh, they can't get any insurance money after their house burned down. Ooh. That's their job. Mm. And like, we make a living where, you know, this person might not have had the confidence to like talk to another human being all day. And now he's like dancing with somebody else or she's dancing with somebody else and it makes you feel really good, fills you up. I never forgot that with stand up. I was like, how fucking lucky that for a living we get to go out there or even doing podcasts, we get to just make people laugh, make people think, give sure. somebody like an emotionally nourishing experience. Right. It's like, you should be crying. Yeah. Should be crying every day. Yeah, I do. For how lucky. It's unreal. We man. all should be. Yeah. Like imagine we went through our whole lives and we never sat and reflected about how lucky we were. Ugh, what a waste to give us this opportunity. You know, something I learned from y'all just last uh, a couple podcasts ago, I guess, was the the attitude of gratitude of like, I'm grateful that I'm able to work this hard. Yeah. Like, y'all, I don't remember what pod y'all said that on, but it's like, that shit stuck with me like deeply. Like, I'd never heard it put that way. And I was like, because sometimes you work hard, and like any other job, you know, full disclosure, there's Everybody moments where you're hard, like, bro. yo, man, this is fucking a little bit of a bit. And then you're yeah. like, man, how awesome is it, though, that I'm in a situation that I can work this hard, though? Yeah, that I enjoy it to yeah. put this time in. Because there's people working just as hard as us at a job they hate. They hate. And I'm loving it. My dad, you know, the famous quote my daddy always said, everybody's daddy said, is, do what you love for a living, you'll never work a day of your life. Yeah. You know, and that's why that's why I still say that hour that hour and a half is free, man. That's, you think that makes it easier to not drink? Because I think for me, I remember I worked a job I hated as a comic, and I was like, oh, if I did this every day, I'd be drunk Friday, Saturday for sure. Right? Fucking question. Oh yeah. But I don't feel the need to decompress as much. Right. Do you feel the same? Like now that you're for climbing? sure. Yeah, for sure. And also, just man, my consciousness is just like, man, I don't want to blow it. It's like what he said about like I've seen so many dudes get where I'm at and blow it. Yeah. I know so many dudes that had the summer I'm fixing to have and end up like doing bad in life in 10 years where they were wasn't financially responsible or they went down the path of the bottle. It's like, you know, I, I want to make sure that Caleb Plant, my homie from Nashville, the boxer, always oh, says yeah. that yeah. the dream isn't uh wasn't to get money, the dream was to keep it. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And when yeah. he says that, it tickles my soul. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of it. Like getting money was you know, it's also like through all this, gosh, I've been able to dream bigger now. <laughs> like 
I don't know about y'all, but I didn't like dream. Like I know your story, dude. You were a fucking, you know, a cop, right? It's yeah. like your dream. I don't know if your dream was ever this big, yeah. but I would assume not. You know yeah. what I mean? Like my dream. What people are like? Are you living your dream? I'm like, you think I was that confident to dream this would happen? Like, <laughs> get the you are you have really mistaken who you're talking to. You're like, there's no way I thought this was good. Like when I was a 13 year old kid watching Lollapalooza. It, Starwood Amphitheater, sitting up on the hill, right? You could have never told me I was going to tour and headline those venues yeah. five nights a week. You know what I mean? Even like, dreaming just, big takes confidence. Takes confidence. It's really crazy. Yeah. You've always had that. I feel like, yeah, it, that's not natural for yeah. a lot of people. I'm having to dream bigger now. Now yeah. I'm like, oh, no, now I'm starting to dream. Like, I'm trying to dream unrealistically. Yeah. Like, that's where I'm at But now. that's what a dream you know what is. Yeah, exactly. It's not realistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah your dreams are realistic. You what's your most unrealistic now? dream you have? Right now? Yeah. Hmm. I can't share it because then I will reveal it. Oh, so it's possible then. Yeah. Oh, so it's that's not possible. your biggest one. What's your it's biggest wild one? I, I don't think in ways it's not possible. Really? Yeah, I don't God, think. That's but, awesome. But I always think it's like, now, it's hard work. And it's luck, and but but yeah, but the biggest dream, for sure, yeah. for sure. I mean, there's a couple. Some have nothing to do with entertainment at all. Yeah, the biggest ones have nothing to do with that. Right. But like, as far as entertainment goes, yeah, there's something that I'm cooking up, but I can't <laughs> I can't share it just yet. People got to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I love it. I'm thinking the same way, dude. I'm thinking. Why? Well, what's the biggest one? I've Can you share it? Or not? No. <laughs> man, I'm dreaming, dude. Yeah. I just I've turned into a real dreamer, man. Good. I thought I was a dreamer, but I wasn't. I'm a dreamer now. Now yeah. I'm like I just sit in the back of the bus and just think about that shit, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think we could take this motherfucker to the moon. We weren't supposed to make it this far. Mm. And what's the quote? I didn't come this far to come this fucking far. Where else we gonna go? It's like what do you think? How big can it get? And also, my I always reference my father because he gave me all these cool little one-liners in life, but. You can always go back. You can't always go forward. Yeah. Just like as a life philosophy, it's like, man, we're in a chance right now. I'm going forward as long as I can. Yeah. I know I can go back. Yeah. I know I can go back to playing theaters. I know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Forward is the, the next thing up. Yeah. My my hope for next year is to do an, I want to do an NBA arena tour, like a proper, like, oh, wow. yeah, I've never, you know, it's like the next step, right? You know what I mean? It's Have like, that's the dream. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the immediate mountain in front of me is like. You know, I'm also still in that weird space where I'm like, before this all ends, That's we should crazy. try to knock as much stuff off yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case Isn't the Flavor 2 podcast gets to <laughs> Again. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a break for a second. You already see the lighting. You already know what time it is. Back's getting blown out. Blue Chew. Blue Chew. Blue Chew. Back's getting blown out, okay? Every woman in your life deserves it, okay? Your mom deserves it. Not from you, but from your dad. But he already knows what time it is. He's probably already chewing it up and chewing it out. But you could also give that as a nice gift to your mom for Mother's Day or your dad for Father's Day. You really could do that. If you were a great son or daughter, you could. You could give your mom the gift that keeps on giving. Give your dad the gift that keeps on giving. I don't even care if they're divorced. Come back, run it back one more time. You know what I'm saying? If they bring back the cast of Friends, they could bring back your mom and dad. Blast off motel room. <laughs> Headboard smacking into the wall. Right? Motel six inches in your mom. <laughs> My point is, hell yeah. 
BlueChew.com, you're going to get the first month free. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. BlueChew.com, use the promo code FLAGRANT right now. Do it for your mom. Now let's get back to the show. Who are some of your uh, dream collabs? Um, it's crazy, man. I think in the country world, I obviously want to work with Morgan Wallen. Um, he's a real good friend of mine, too. I think it's inevitable that we will. But, uh, you know, legacy acts, man, I'd love to do something with, like, Seeger or James Taylor, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That That's, like, the dream for me is those, like, because in this weird way you talk about dreaming, it's like, I think anybody who's around my generation right now, I think that if I keep working hard and God's in my favor, that I'll get to work with them anyways. Mm-hmm. So my dreams are, like, who are the legends that I don't have a lot of time to do that with. Mm. It's like Seeger, Taylor, Stevie Nicks. Like, these are like the unrealistic dream collabs for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like he said, some other stuff I could name I think is realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? It might sound crazy, but I think it pull it off eventually. Bro, Drake, had, on the uh, hip-hop side, I want to work with Drizzy. Uh, yeah, we, we had a Mexican OT on uh, on the pod yesterday. Not yesterday, <laughs> last, last week. week. Sorry. so good. And uh, yeah, he's fantastic too. And who was it that said, was it you? Yeah, I, I clock y'all as like, like soul friends. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, yes. Miles called, uh, called General American OT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> American out of Tennessee, but that's all. <laughs> no, dude, that's I feel the first that time too. you gave Miles credit for a joke. <laughs> it was actually, it was actually my joke. <laughs> well, I, was, I was afraid he was going to get mad. I was afraid he was going to get mad, and I wouldn't want him to take it out of me. So I was trying to get it off, you know? <laughs> but yeah, just you guys are very soulful. You know, also Very authentic. Yeah, yeah, pure authenticity. You know, troubled lives gave you all these feelings and emotions that you can tap into that are deeper than the average person. Not box into one genre. And all, yeah, like, I don't know. And you're so musical, both of you. Just like, you can tell from a young age that music seeped into your pores. It's not something you learned when you're right. older. No. And uh, yeah, it was so interesting that you, you thought of that. I was thinking of you as well during the interview in a lot of ways, like, I don't know. That's that's a weird thing. I wonder if that's like annoying, almost like some girl going up to a DJ say like, play, pour some sugar on me. Like do when outsiders <laughs> request collabs, is that annoying or no, is it? Like, I love it. No, I love it. I'd love to work with him too, man. He had a record on the tape he just dropped. I can't remember the name of the record right now. Cowboy, Cowboy Killer? Killer? Yeah, yeah. That had a had a, like a singing chorus and I was like, I wish I'd have did that. Yeah. Like, I wish I'd have known him then. He came to Nashville and did a show but I was out of town. Yeah. But it's like, I've just, everything about, watching his interviews has been my favorite part. Like, yeah. I love it when an artist gets in that position and they can back up the other side of it. Yeah. Like, that's my favorite. And and to, like, be themselves. Like, a lot of artists won't come sit on this couch because it's risky. Yeah. Right? It's not, like, when you go, like, when I go on a Fox today, there's a publicist standing beside the dude yeah. watching him and going, this is what we're not willing to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, when we come sit in here, my publicist is going to shit herself until this comes out next yeah. week. Yeah. 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 And it yeah. takes some strength of personality to be able to hang. Like, yeah, for not sure. a lot of people who are just also you can't can do fake that. the funk for two hours for yeah. sure like for five minutes you can pretend to be the person that you know the maybe record labels have built you up to be right but two hours on a podcast is going to expose who you really sure. are you know there's there's something we were talking about this on the week over the weekend but like uh like rihanna is a superstar in her in her personality as much as she is in music, right? Where it's just like, she's she's not pretending to be a version of herself. Right. That's who she is. Right. Like, you see her on the street, and it's gonna be Rihanna, yeah. right? And I think that we gravitate towards that. And then I think there are certain artists who 
are kind of playing a character, but the music might be fantastic and other things might work out and it kind of can almost trick the public, but you never see long interviews with them. Yeah. You never right. see, I mean. For sure. It, and I think at the end of the day, there is a different connectivity yeah, between those. 100%. And admittedly, there's a need for both of them, right? So it's like, because I love the mystery behind The weekend. Yeah. Especially his first tapes, yeah, like dude. the oh, fact that yeah. I didn't hear that dude's voice until his fourth album, yeah. fifth album was like I thought the sickest shit ever. Mm. But equally, I love the Mexican OT, who I can't quit watching his interviews. Yeah. I watched y'all's pod with him last oh, week. I watched him on Bootleg Cab the other day. Yeah. Like I just can't get old enough of this guy. That's a great you know point, I mean? man. About the weekend is that he has maintained mystery at a time where everyone has access to every famous person for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a rare thing. Dude. It's rare, man. It's it, I think it's special. Like it's almost like Daft Punk esque. Exactly. Uh, That's where, exactly like, what it is. He is arguably, I think right now his tour, maybe him and Taylor, are like the biggest tour in the world 100%. right now. Yeah. And yeah, it's fucking crazy. We don't know really anything it's about it. It's crazy. I've only heard his voice maybe three times, Bro, it's, four and, times and That's ever. like a throwback. That's like a Marlon Brando old school yeah. Yeah. Hollywood, like Hollywood back in the day where these famous people, you would see them in movies and outside of that, they were hanging on some fucking island or yeah. you know, there was in the South Pacific and you're like, what is going on in their lives? What's happening? So there is that curiosity, but the curiosity is backed by an Unfucking real voice. Unreal. The music's just so. The music was sculpted around the mystery, right? Yeah. So it all. But I think it's like we need we needed a him for the me's. Yeah. Right. Like they're like that's just the balance of. Like and I, know, and I always joke about you because I know this is how you feel, and I'm the opposite. I love comparing two things that aren't the same to each other. Where you're like, don't compare music to comedy. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and right. I'm the polar opposite of that. <laughs> I think it's the greatest analogies ever. But it's like. Comedy needs Andrew Schultz, and because they need an Andrew Schultz so bad, David Tell is necessary. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's necessary to kind of have this fucking dude with a flip phone that everybody's like, real comedy fans shit themselves if they think he's going to yeah. be somewhere. Genius, genius. Because you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, like that's the comparison to me. Is like, that's yeah. me being, I'm Schultz, yeah. and he's the weekend's. Fucking Attell. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Yes, it's like, yeah. and there's such a need for both of them. You know yeah, what I mean? It is true. And they complement each other in the best fucking way. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. which is why I think Bumpin' Mike's did so well. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, you have Ross, who's just like always out there, the roast guy in everybody's face, and Attell, it's just like, damn, I would have never, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, The weekend needs to to like come out and, and speak in like his real accent and have it be like Asian. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Abel. Yeah. <laughs> like a Frenchman, yeah. super Canadian, yeah. like just like. Aber, yeah. did you like my album, eh? You know what I'm saying? But, no, I think he's. I think. Um, do you remember the first interview you ever seen of his? The first time I ever listened to him no. speak. This is this is like some hip hop shit. This is mm. cool. It was Zane Lowe. Oh yeah. The first time I heard anything, I heard his voice was when he did the Kissland promo, a 30-second promo talking about the album. But then he did the article with Rolling Stone when he took the cover, when I Can't Feel Your Face and fucking the hills were taking over Earth. Yeah. And then he did the Zane Lowe interview, and I'll never forget, I've watched every Zane Lowe interview ever, just like I've watched every Breakfast Club interview ever. Like, I obsess, like, as a student, of lover of hip-hop. These are, like, things you have to watch. And I'll never forget, they were in a studio and the lights were dark. And it was just, it was so, The weekend made Zane Lowe 
meet the weekend at the weekend. Yeah. So like even when he's finally doing an interview, he completely controlled everything yeah. from the lighting to the way it was presented and projected. You know what I mean? It was just so like I was like, this fucking guy's gonna be the biggest thing on earth. He's gonna be our fucking prince. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. Travis Scott's another one. Yeah. yeah. Travis Scott's another one that yeah. keeps yeah. that mystery. Yeah. But Travis Scott's kind of got that jelly roll thing going where like I mean I I'm a like most of my friends are comedians, so by default, I end up on all these wild things talking about wild shit. Yeah. But I don't do social media great, yeah. but Bunny does. Like, it's kind of easy for Travis not to have to do a lot of social media when your chick, your baby mother, yeah. is like one of the biggest influencers Ever. on earth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't really have to do a lot of kicking and screaming to yeah. get attention. You know what I mean? She fucking, she posts you in her story one time, yeah, right, and right. fucking that song's going. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's enough. a totally different machine. I also like, like, we were, we were joking around this weekend about, it, like, I like how, like, he kind of does virgin rap. Yeah. Like, he don't really get laid in his music. Yeah. You know, like, even if you crazy. really listen to the songs, like, he goes, I got two twin bitches on a jet ski. Yeah. It's like, well, are you fucking them? They're like, oh, they're just jet skiing yeah. around. Like, <laughs> Very safe. Yeah, everything. Very safe. Like, it's all a safe flow. So it's kind of, like, relatable, I think, yeah. to a lot of people without even realizing it. They're like, oh, that's kind of my life. I saw two girls on a jet ski. <laughs> what y'all think about Utopia? I love it. I really oh, like yeah. dude. The first time I listened to it, I was like, I don't know. And then after like third or fourth time, I mean, we were playing it the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I love it. I felt the same way. I think he he makes great. I didn't hear it. Oh, yeah. I, didn't hear it. No, I think he's fantastic <laughs> at making music. Like he's just great at it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, thought, I feel the way they felt. It was um, it reminded me of Don FM from the weekend. Like the first yeah. time I heard it, I was like, I don't know, this is a little spacey. And then you keep letting it go. And then I was like, man, let's rip that motherfucker one more time. And then I was like, it's growing on me. Yeah. yeah. And then you know. By the end of the weekend, I was like, no, this, this fucking fucks. This dude yeah. took a risk and did something totally different, and it's fucking fire. You got to do you know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got to do it, dog. Risk. Once again, it's like you said, it was the he, he chased the art. He could have came back out with another Birds in the, uh, birds in the Trap scene McKnight, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, instead, he was like, no, this was like, you know, his last, because his last three or four hits were in that vein, right? Goosebumps, uh, mm -hmm. Highest in the Room, right? Like, his last few hits were all in that same kind of Travis Scott vibe that mm -hmm. he knew that it was like, where do I go from here? Dude, I saw him. I was Switched. hanging out at Wildin' Out after I wasn't on the show, but I just wanted to go say what's up to everybody. We were both in LA. And this is before he really cracked off and he was a guest, but then he started doing soundcheck leading into his performance. Soundcheck was like a show in and of itself. He's just like kind of singing in the microphone. And then I remember I had somewhere to be, so I had to leave early. But as I'm leaving, I feel the entire building where they're filming shaking from everybody jumping up. And, and I've seen everybody perform on that on that show hmm. nobody set it off like travis Whoa. it was fucking crazy yeah hmm. oh, he's special yeah. that's, what that's what i felt about yachty's album like did you listen to his most recent one which one was the name Lil of it? Lil Yachty's, uh, I actually can't remember the name of it. Came this year though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it super experimental, but yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's like yeah. Floyd, it's like Pink Floyd meets rap. Yeah. And like there are tracks on there that are unbelievable. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the rock element in it too. He um he's a great writer. Hmm. Yeah. That's his real skill set, right? It's like yeah. I don't know like how much Yachty music, his voice is very particular. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like I think that dude, I think he's already wrote a couple of big hits, but yeah. I got a feeling that dude will write number ones for other people as long as he wants to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. As long as he feels like showing up to write songs for motherfuckers, I think he's just going to keep shitting hits. I, it was yeah. really cool. And again, I'm watching music from a distance, it feels like, now that I'm getting older. But like, I remember him being a punchline early on. And yeah. I think it's so fucking cool that now people are like, oh, shit. 
I don't know if they'll acknowledge how wrong they were, but like now he's like an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. But isn't that how artists stand the test of time? Like you look at any of the bands that have been around for 20 years and they're constantly evolving. Like, like even like I think about like Queen. Mm. And I love Queen. And I put on a This Is Queen playlist sometimes when I like run on Spotify. And the songs are so fucking different. There's like a country song out of nowhere. <laughs> this thing. Yeah. Color. Yeah. I just, it's like, what do these British guys yeah. know about yeah. country music? There's all these random things happening. And I think that the audience, once they know that your music is pure or whatever your art is, is pure, they'll let you flow. They'll let you go. I never felt Michael Jackson was out of pocket with a single song. Every song felt like a Michael Jackson song, right. yeah. even though they were way different genres. Yes. Because it's pure. Yes. So I love to see that. I love to see people pushing it, man. Yeah. Are you are you still uh, are you still doing mushrooms? Oh, as much as possible. Really? I got a big bag I'm on the bus. You need some? <laughs> I think I do. Yeah. Right, I'm serious. Do you ever use no, mushrooms to write or to to produce or anything yeah, like that? For sure. I'll 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 take like a gram if I'm in the writer's room. But normally, if I'm really like taking a deep write, I normally drink instead. Oh, really? Did shrooms help you? Because I know you said you had a hard time loving yourself. I don't remember what pot it was. Some pot. Yeah. Did that? Did shrooms help you with that? Yeah, for sure. They kind of helped me understand, you know, understand me. That's something I've been working on the most in therapy, though, man. It's like trying to figure out, because I thought that it was like when the jelly roll thing, if it ever worked, that the Jason thing would just like correct itself right then. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then the jelly roll thing worked, and it's like, Oh no, I'm still fucking feel like shit about myself. Like this isn't, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's like, but I'm working through it, man. I feel good. I think I'm taking the right steps. And uh, I think I think that's the uh, somehow. I think that's why a lot of times people who achieve success, especially in the arts, that have that line of thinking, get more depressed with their success because they're like, once I'm on top of the world, I'll feel good. I'll yeah. love myself. I'll be happy. And then you're on top of the world. You have everything you dreamed of, and you don't. And you're like, "Fuck, what's gonna change it?" Yeah. And then you go to alcohol, you go to drugs, or whatever. I think that's why a lot of you see musicians killing themselves. Yeah. They're like, "I have it. I'm touring around the world. I have everything that should make me happy." Yeah. But the only thing that's gonna do it is, is doing that work, man. And I got you. Got to do that work, man. It's like, and I've been doing that work, and it's like I'm also like a doomsday guy. Like I just assume like my, I got the number one song. Right now on country radio, while wow. I'm sitting on this couch, wow. I have the number one song on country Let's radio go. right this moment, and it's like, wow. I am petrified of next week's chart. Wait, why, right? why, why? Because you it's might like, not be number one. I won't be number one next week, and it's like, can I do it again? Do I have another one of those? Like, you know, the critic, yeah, yeah. the instant doomsday guy starts yeah. getting inside of me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's so crazy because I describe to people it's like the greatest feeling on earth is having a song work. And the worst feeling on earth is watching the song run its course. Yeah. Because then you're like, and you know, I thought about this. I can always go back and sing Save Me the rest of my life. And once again, the comparison, but just hear me out. Yeah. You got to come up with something fresh every fucking year. Yep. Yeah. And it's so when I start to get really scared, I think of you. Mm -hmm. I think of my friends that are like, my, like Theo, like my comedian yeah. friends that are like comedian comedians. Yeah. And I'm like, Damn, this has got to be how they feel the day their special comes out. Like, oh, yeah. there has to be this moment of, like, you're watching the numbers. You're like, we fucking did it. The fucking special worked. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. fucking rolling. God damn it, you're all high-fiving. And then you've, there's got to be a moment where you sit in a room by yourself shortly after that and go, 
How do I do it again? Oh, fuck. I got to figure that out again. I feel that. <laughs> I'm filming my special in like three weeks and already in the back of my mind, it's like, yo, let's say this goes amazingly like I put in the work for it to do. Am I out of material? What's going to happen? Ooh, where you what am I going to do? I think I'm fresh out. Yeah. So we'll see. Where well, are you filming it at? Uh, Houston. Houston. Oh. I'm running it tonight. If you're not busy, come through. Dope. I'm running it tonight in New York. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I remember after the last special, I, I took a bunch of time off. I was like, I'm, I don't want to rush this. I just want to come back to it naturally when I have something to say. I told the agents, and of course, they're like, hey, we just had you know time to book some shows. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm, we'll do it when it's ready. And my first few times on stage, I got off stage and I was like, I think I've already said everything. I don't think I have anything else to say. Mm. And it was the weirdest That's feeling. scary. And I was terrified. I was like, holy shit. Because I probably took maybe six months off from stand-up. <laughs> I didn't take six months off from stand-up for you know, 17 years or 15 years, however long I've been doing stand-up. I was like, fuck, have I said everything? And I kept going up. And then it was like my brain reorganized itself back into stand-up. Wow. It's like six months. It's almost like not working a muscle for for uh, six months. It's going to start to atrophy a little bit. Right. But then you get up there, start working, and like my brain just started making these comedy connections again. Like it started working in terms of bits. And then life presented itself and, you know, inspiration came. And then, <laughs> what, yeah. What a way to say that, life presented itself. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I was avoiding it. Like yeah. I was avoiding it, like looking at it in terms of stand-up. I would look at it in terms of podcasting and that kind of stuff, but I was avoiding like just kind of what is frustrating you? What is, you know, I was I was avoiding using stand-up for what I've always used it as, right? This like my most expressive outlet, right? Like the thing that I care about the most in terms of art, you know? And uh, and then things started, things started happening. It started coming together and it started coming alive and I started getting really excited about it. And it was an awesome experience. And I, but I didn't book a single show. And I knew if I booked a show, I would chase what worked. Uh, and I was like, I need months without a single fucking show to chase the art. Right. And what I want to do that's new and what I want to do is different. What is that in your world? What does chasing the art in that place mean? Are you like what popping I up at clubs care about. then? Say what? Are you popping up at clubs at that time then if you're yeah. not booking shows? I'm, I'm popping up at clubs. And then once I feel like I had enough time, I would like, okay, maybe I'll do like a club weekend, you know? Right. And it was just like slowly, but I would, I'd get up at the New York Comedy Club. I'd get up at the Comedy Cellar and I'd try to get up 16 times a week. And I'm like, what is there? What am I focusing on? What do I care about? And not what will make me money. If you have a podcast that you can live off of and you aren't being as pure and authentic with your comedy as you can, you're wasting your time. Mm. Because you can pay the bills here. Right. So this can be real. Right. If, if you, you know what I mean? Like right. I understand if you, can, if you make your living on stand-up only. And you've got houses and you've got your kids and in private schools and stuff. And it's like, okay, you've got to get that new hour ready. And this is how you pay the bills and like do what works and have as much fun as you possibly can in it. But we're fucking so lucky right. that we get to explore yeah. and experiment and fail until we find something that is uniquely ours. And uh, I feel like I'd be wasting the opportunity if I didn't do it. But then coming together and like finding it, like working on it. Yeah, it's just the best. That is one thing I think that sometimes I get upset when I see there's certain creators that I think that 
or like really artistic. It doesn't have to be even stand-up. I feel like they're artists. And I think sometimes the the attention addiction gets a hold of them. Mm. And I think they sometimes give up the art right. for that attention thing. Mm. And uh, I wonder if they, if they will regret that later on. I tell you what, man, I think it's a battle I'm having now with management where I'm like, yo, when I come off the road at the end of, in the middle of October, I was like, I need six weeks of my life. Cause since I got shot out of the cannon two years ago, I haven't had six Anything. weeks of life where I felt I had any autonomy. Yeah. And I was like, you gotta let me have it. And it's not that I need a break. I do need a break. Yeah. But it's that I know my personality. When you give me some downtime, on day three, after I played Call of Duty for three days straight for 18 <laughs> hours a day, yeah. I'm going to wake up on day four and go, I'm going to pick up the guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm going to be like, and it's going to be like a kid again, like, ooh, I can write songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get to write songs. You know, and it's like, and I'm like you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like how you were with this six months in general. I, I, I cycle right. Yeah. So like a lot of songwriters write year round and I cycle write. Like when I put an album out, I put the album, I finished the album in January. I didn't write again until the end of July. Wow. I just took seven months. I mean, I just, you needed it. I needed it. It's like I needed to just, you know, I just, man, I, I wrote everything my soul felt for that album because you see the 13 songs that are on the album, much like we see the hour that's on the special. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What we don't see is the... 12 hours of shit that sucked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you don't see the 20 songs that didn't make mm -hmm. these 13. Like, I'm tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not going to here write no Puppy Mill song. So it's like, I just need some time to just rethink and think about what the fuck I want to do. Yeah. I just had the most success I've ever had in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I need to sit on that for a second and reflect on it. Yeah. And reflect on That's it. That's what you're going to talk about next. And, yeah. And think about these people like the story from Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach was literally two nights ago. Think about that story and think who is that person? And what do they need, right? Because like now I'm not even writing for me no more. I've told the Jelly Roll story a bunch. It's like, mm. what do you need? Like, because I know now why you come to see me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I know why you're in my office. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what what can I do for you yeah. is where I'm at as a songwriter, which is the coolest place on earth to be, you know? Sometimes what you do for them is you're able to explain feelings that they can't articulate. Oh, it's like yeah. the big part of doing the work in therapy is when they make you say something, what are you thinking about that? Well, articulate it. Yeah. And they say that really you need to hear it. Like even though you hear it, you need to say it. And yeah. it's like, it's kind of that same concept of like, we'll all, we'll heal together. It's, it's the show too for me is about live shows. And I don't know if y'all feel this way, but there's some situations where you go, man, I got to take it to the room. Right, like you just assess it and go, I'm finna take it to the room. What is take it to the room? Like just fucking just balls to wall. Like yeah. fucking I'm taking it to you. Yeah. But not uh, aggressive, but I'm yeah. taking it to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's moments where you need to bring the room to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where you need to take a step back and you need to bring the room to you. Mm -hmm. And a good show, they'll do one of the two good. A great show, they'll do both good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and like Taylor's an example of a girl who like, there was moments in her set when she gets on the piano where you watch 70,000 people feel as if they're sitting Indian style around that piano together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like 100%. they're looking up to their big sister and it's finna just like whatever big sister does is finna go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's Christmas day at the house. Like that's such a skill set that few like, that is such a thing in our business of like knowing the difference between when you take it to the room and when you bring the room to you. Mm. And like 
funny, we joked about him earlier, but Garth Brooks taught me that. Hmm. Like watching Garth Brooks live is a, it's insane. I've went to see him 10, 12, 13 times. Wow. And I've sat everywhere from section 304 up there by Jesus with my back to the roof. <laughs> and I've sat down on the floor. And every time there was so many moments in his set where I felt like I was in his living room. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then there was moments in his set where I felt like I was at a fucking gym where he was working us out. You know what I mean? Like, that's another big part of it. Like, there's moments in the set where it's like, we're all going to blow our... Like, I strategically put songs in places to know that we're going to need a break after these two songs. Yeah, yeah, Like, all of us as a group. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to scream or put our hands up for a song. Yeah. Like, all that's the fucking... That's the art stuff that I get, like... I stay up at night and obsess about and romanticize with the set list. You know what I mean? It's like, how do I create this Sunday service in the South? Like, how do I bring you to a... I want you to feel like you were in a hundred-person Baptist church on a Sunday. That's how I want you to feel when you leave my show. I want you to feel like that's what you just experienced, you know? And that's a big part of the art. Sorry, you said something that made me realize why I think music transcends, specifically your music. You were talking about therapy. I remember a therapist telling me one time, all therapy is is just trying to figure out how to take your feelings and put them into words. Mm. What am I actually feeling and express them? Your music does that for millions of people. They have these deep, maybe dark, whatever feelings you put them so beautifully into words. I think that's why people attach themselves to you and your music so strongly. Thank you. Like these things I feel that I can't express, this guy expresses them so profoundly. And it's the Willie Nelson thing, right? Y'all know much about Willie? <laughs> no, no Willie fans here? It's all right. I'll, I'll, I respect him, but I'll, I don't I'll educate you on the, on the God. So Willie has this really cool thing where like, you know, the if nothing else, you know the prestige of Willie. Like, you mm -hmm. think of Willie right now, you think bandana. Do you know anything about Willie, Alex? Nah, okay. Okay, I can tell you <laughs> yeah. were the only one that was genuinely looking at me like, I really don't know uh, what the fuck yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> He's got Schultz brains. was like, yeah, I mean, we know who Willie is. But, legend, legend. Yeah, it's like, he wears his bandana. He has two long braids. He's 90 years old now. I just did a show with him. But still doing shows. Wow. Still doing shows. Let me tell you about that, too. But he's... Like he's his persona through the media all the years and all his Johnny Carson appearances was he's a very jovial guy, very funny. He was like the most famous weed smoker in country music for fucking yeah. fifty years, like just stoner Texas dude, just always high. They just joked on him. He was he was Snoop Dogg of country music mm. in every way he could be, hmm. except when he picked his guitar up, and all of a sudden the saddest song on earth would come out. Hmm. Like he would pick this guitar up, even he'd be on the Johnny Carson show and they'd be laughing and telling jokes and he picked that guitar up and just instantly, you know, my heroes have always been cowboys and they still are today. Like it was just a, like, he had songs, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain and my heroes of like these just dauntingly sad songs. You know what I mean? And they were like his big hit records. But it was kind of like, to another degree, like the Robin Williams thing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I took so much of that from Willie because I used to feel like because I was a jovial person, even though I know I had mental health issues, that I would try to write songs like from that perspective. Mm. And I was like, but that's not what's really in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, the day, and then I made the mistake of writing the songs that were in me, but dressing them up jovial. Uh. Yeah. And I went through that phase where I couldn't figure out what the disconnect was. Yeah. Because I'm a, you know, relatively frumpy fella. You know what I mean? I'm kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. And I, so I'd, like, put these, like, weird artworks that looked real light-colored and stuff. on. I love talking to y'all because this is so inside fucking baseball shit. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
I would have these songs that were just like Save Me Ish. Yeah. But with an album cover that was like a fucking joke cartoon. Yeah. With a title that was a joke, like The Biggest Loser or something. You know what I mean? That's the defense mechanism, right? That's the defense mechanism. Personality is, hey, I'm going to be jovial because inside. I'm fucking dying. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, and then I was like, man, I should just start dressing the music up the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then just be who I really am in every situation and let that figure itself out. You know what I mean? Just. Yeah. And that was when shit started shifting for me dramatically. You know what I mean? You were creating authentically, man. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It takes time to do that, man, because you got to develop the skills to do it. Yeah. You know, we probably, in our everyday lives, develop skills to cope with that fucked up shit inside us. So we've, we're almost uh, more fluent in the character that we develop right. than we are and who we are. Mm. So yeah, training yourself to not do the character that right. works effectively. Yeah. It's hard to walk into a deli and be sad. Yeah, yeah. But walk into a deli and you're just like, hey, what's up? Ah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You're doing yeah. a thing. That's great for everybody. Yeah. So, so yeah, like oof, leaning into that and then doing that with the skill of music, which you have to develop over fucking decades. Right. Yeah, eventually those kind of met. And yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why I was the Van Wilder of music. I'm fucking almost 40, dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, as a point of perspective, like, this hmm. shit, you know, I didn't have money worth, I just, we were joking about it outside of there. I just figured, you know, I didn't pay taxes until fucking 2020. Fire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, fire. you know what I mean? I didn't make enough money to pay, taxes. Enough to pay taxes. I ended up owing yeah. them some money afterwards, and now I know about taxes. He was joking about, like, some other government's French taxes, or what was you talking about? European yeah, taxes? Yeah. And I was like, well, I know about American taxes. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. They're brutal. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. like, it's a robbery, dog. It's a yeah. complete heist. It's the biggest criminal organization Absolutely. I've ever seen. And it's funny, man, because I never understood politics. But I understand them now. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I understand about them is. When I found out I got to give you all this money and then I don't even get a vote where it goes, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, whoa, yeah. hold on now. Man, I want at least the That's a lot of fucking bread. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What are we doing with this? If you could now, vote, would you? Yeah, no, fuck no. Yeah, the Jesus. I don't yeah, I don't think our vote counts. That shit's a hock of crap, man. They're fucking greatest scam in American history. <laughs> when they made a two-party system, we should have known they were fucking us. Yeah, that's just, I mean, it's automatically. How many times, that's how fights start. You put one guy against another guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like fucking, you know what I mean? That yeah. was fucking a no-brainer. You know what I'm saying? As soon as they started labeling themselves something, I was like, oh, this is a gang. They gave them you know colors. What I'm saying? Yeah, they, they gave, gave them colors. Everything. They wow. gave them gang logos. Colors. <laughs> they fucking have signs. Crips you know blood, what I'm saying? It's wow. Yeah. It's fucking insane. I was like, yeah, this fucking, this is a party destined for failure. That is This is funny. never going to work. Yeah, yeah. they're going to fight I'm, amongst themselves, and we're going to take 50% of their money every single year no matter what. Yeah, they're going to stick us up. Yeah. Fight wow. amongst themselves. Yeah, for sure. Other. And all the tax problems everybody talks about never affects anybody. You know what I mean? Except for fucking, yeah, I mean, it just, nobody's ever like, we're getting a tax cut. I was like, I didn't fucking notice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, but goddamn, how bad were they? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Like, if this is the cut, we're fucked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Somebody's like, this country's going to end up being communist. I was like, they're 50% away from being it anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? What Y'all are fighting the fucking inevitable, dude. I bet taxes used to be 10%. I bet there's some old dude right now that if you told him we're paying 43% or whatever like, fucking what? we're paying, he'd be like, there's no fucking way. Why'd we like, fight the Germans? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently they used to be dumb high during wartime. They were like 70% or some crazy shit like that. I think that, that was during uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. 
stuff like that. For the super rich, he had some crazy tax rate. But um, can I transition? I want to ask you about the new album, which you said is a reconciliation of your relationship with the church. Yes. What was it before? What is it after? I'm very interested in your view on God and spirituality and faith. Yeah, man. Um, That's why I hate this podcast. <laughs> it's like we'll laugh, but tell us something about God. It's like ah, that's a good subject to get me in trouble, um, dude. It's like when I was fourteen. Do I have time to tell this full story? Because I want to share it in like its detail. If you Hell yeah! My daughter is just turned fifteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, last year she started going to this little church back in this little country road, a little bitty church. In fact, it's a church that takes school takes place in a school auditorium, and the school is kindergarten through 12th grade, Mm -hmm. right? Little bitty church, little country church. 20 of the 100 members are kids from her high school. Hmm. And I was like, this is last summer, and I'm like, when I was 14, the summer of that summer was the last year that I ever attended a church. I got baptized that same summer and caught my first robbery case that same summer. Wow. So I'm, all these feelings are coming back up in me as she's like pounding me. Cause you know what people do when they find a church, you know, gotta yeah. come, you gotta come. Yeah. It's like what they do. And I think that's cool. So I was like, I should go. So I go, cause I'm a father. You know what I mean? You support your kid. And like I tell people, if the kid wanted to play fucking cricket, I'd have learned about cricket. It's a great game. You know what I mean? Like I'm in, like, you know what I mean? Like I would have read a book on soccer, soccer for dummies. If the kid wanted to play soccer. So I'm like, I'm going to church. And when I show up, I'm like, it was the first time in a long time that I didn't, I wasn't mad at the church, hmm. you know, because like there's so much, like there's just so much room for error and that whole belief system. I don't want to get too deep into that because I'll get in trouble, but it's just, it's just weird. And I was just in there like, and I grew up a Christian kid. I got a cross on my face. You know what I mean? And, but I was like, I started looking at it from the people, not the preacher. And I was like, why are they here? Hmm. And that changed my perspective of the church that afternoon. I was like, man, these people's intention is pure, at least in this little building. They're coming in here trying to cleanse something. They're trying to be better people. They're trying to set an example for their children, core principles of life, moral compasses. Like, they're not in here to create. This is, like, truly a safe space for these people. Like, this is like, and it made me think about, why did I go to church when I was that age? What drew me to the church? And it was all my friends went. Why did I get baptized? And what led me to, and then, of course, I spent 10 years after that in jail reading nothing but religious material. I mean, I read about everything you can. I never got, I didn't get my GED till I was in my mid-20s in jail. Mm-hmm. I'm a completely uneducated man. If you had to ask me what grade I completed, I'd say like seventh, I think, was the last grade I actually like graduated to the next grade. You know what I mean? So I'm talking to Bailey about all this stuff, and when we leave that church that next day, I'm like, yo, you won't believe this kid, but I used to go to a little church like this. And I got baptized when I was your age. And I had a bunch of homies. And I went on to, could have went one of two ways in life. And I went the, the wild route. So, and she kind of didn't believe me. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, dude. It's like the same church. It was called Whitsett Chapel Baptist Church. It was on this little country road in the back ass of Antioch, between Antioch and Donaldson, sat across from the lake. Finally, one day I'd take her. I'm like, I bet the building's still there. Bro, I pulled up. The building hasn't changed at all. Wow. Like, I think they added a carport that I didn't put on the album cover. Like, literally, a carport, you know, like like yeah. for some sweet old lady that, like, it's a 100-person church. And um, when I left there, I had wrote probably 100 songs at that point towards my debut country album. 
And I realized that I wasn't writing in the spirit that I like to write in. I was looking for a hit. I just came off a couple of hits, like real hits, like life-changing hits. And I was like, I was looking for a hit. And when I was driving that day, I was kind of praying because I'm a man of prayer. And I was like, I called my producer and I was like, I want to start from scratch on this album. And I had a song called Going to Church and a song called Hung Over in a Church Pew that I wrote through all those songs. And I was like, what if we make that the first song and the last song and we tell a story? Book open, book close, and we tell the story of this album and we call it Going to Church. And he was like, what's the name of that church you went to? I was like, Wits at Chapel. He said, we need to call it Wits at Chapel mm -hmm. and you need to write that album. And I wrote a concept album. Like I scrapped all these songs. Mm -hmm. The record label's called like, mad at first. They're like, yo, we'd already picked out singles. We'd sent this to radio. Like, you got some hits. And I was like, give them to whoever wants them, man. I, I can't sing them with conviction. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? I was like, this is the album. And they, <laughs> you know, I'm in creative control and they love me and they were like, we trust you. Sight unheard. I just turned the album in and they listen. And the head of the label, Jonathan Loba, who changed my whole life, I love you, Loba, calls me and he's like in tears. He's like, yo, this is, this is like, He's like, I'll never forget him saying this because I hope he's right. He said, you're going to get nominated for a Grammy for this album. Wow. He was like, this is special. This is like the president of BMG. Hmm. He's like, this is so the right thing to do. And nobody questioned it. And it was like, my reconciliation came from like, I still think what the church is doing, to answer your question directly, I still think what they're doing is wrong. But I think that the spirit of which people go to these churches is more, and I try to judge things based on intent. And I never seen the intent like I did watching my daughter and them go to that church. Can I ask, you, you don't have to put it in if you don't, what do you think is wrong about the church? Well, you can put this in. I just think that they're, you know, I think that you, you can't pander to people that, that, to think that we're all st stupid enough not to be free thinkers. Mm -hmm. And I hate that this like out, like Jesus and the church is going to die Again, Jesus is going to die all over again if they don't find a way to portray him the way he was historically known to be. Not the version of which y'all let Constantine and, the, and all these people come together and figure this out under the Constantine. I read the Constantine Sword book about how this all came together. It's like when you look at that stuff, it's like if you look at the history facts of Jesus, which I think favor Christianity in this weird way, when you look at those— that dude is not the dude y'all have turned him into. Mm. Like, y'all have Americanized Jesus and used him as a way of not only propaganda, but you've weaponized God. Mm. You have weaponized God. You know what I mean? And it's like, that was the opposite of who Jesus was. The same people that you were, you were like criticizing and going against are the only people that Jesus had a relationship with in the Bible. You know what the first miracle was in the Bible? Pop quiz. The first miracle talked about in the whole Bible. He turned water into wine for his mother at a wedding reception. Mm -hmm. If we judge that alone, regardless of how you feel about Jesus, if you believe in it or not, to the side, his mother comes up to him. So she knows he can do crazy shit, right? Because she walks up like, yo, I need a favor, <laughs> right? Imagine this, right? You know, and Jesus was like, and he calls her woman. He goes, what, woman? In the Bible. Shows me he's a little bit sassy. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And she goes, in so many words, can we, I need a party trick here. Yeah. Like fucking, this is like a really whack party. Like She only talks to God when she needs a favor. Yeah, yeah she only talks to God when she needs a favor. Yeah. Right? She's like, yo, can you like do something about this? He says, it's not my time. Which leads me to believe that she's probably seen him resurrect a squirrel or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? She knows he can do something. 
And she hits him with the please. And just like any other good son who loves his mom, turns water into wine. You're telling me this dude gives a fuck about gay people? Mm. Like, you're telling me that's what his focus was in life at that era? Like, that's something he'd be concerned with in this era of life? This dude fucking, first thing he did was a party favor. And then if you look at his history, he did nothing but protect town whores, prostitutes, people in jail. Like, the famous story of the throwing stones, let he who without sin cast his first stone. He was protecting a prostitute. Mm. Pharisees come into the temple at one point and they ask him about an adult, an adulterer, dude having an affair, mm. right? And that's when he does the, he says, uh, he said, in so many words, and I always, the Christians get so mad when I, fuck, fuck y'all anyways. And he's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, so many words, he's like, hey man, you know, what about this girl over here? She's cheating on her husband. He goes, y'all ain't never fucked around on your girl? Literally, that's what he says in the Jesus way. He's like, you ain't never you ain't never cheated on your bitch, ever? And these dudes are like, well, he's like, well, shut the fuck up. Hmm. He never looked up from the dirt. It says in the scripture that he was drawing in the dirt. Doodling is what that relays down to. He was just fucking around in the dirt with a stick. Never even looked up at the Pharisees. He was just like, y'all motherfuckers, come on, dude. You're cheating on your girl, too. Leave that girl alone. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But then somebody like my wife's the first person I watch Christian women Christian, those kind of Christian women persecute. It's like, man, that's the opposite of what that dude was doing. So that's my problem with the church. It's like, even if we just go by the four books that y'all call the only four accounts of him, y'all are, this dude ran around with 12 thugs. If he was here today, he'd be on a fucking Harley. He'd be going to a bar. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll give you another one. You ready for this? He flipped a table over in the temple. You remember this story? And he said, don't make a merchant of my father's house. Yet every mega church in America sells CDs and books and fucking coffee. Yeah. There's Starbucks in these places. It's like they're so picky and choosy. The church is so like, well, hold on. It fits our agenda to really nail in on this one thing that was said in Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Right? But we're going to, you know, it's like, I thought we were focused on Jesus anyways. That's like the focal point here. I'm sorry I went over that. No, the reason I was asking you is if there's a, this is a weird comparison, but it feels like when you talk to God in your songs, it reminds me of DMX. Mm. When DMX would talk to God in his songs. Right. And maybe this is me projecting, but there's like, um, like a, I don't know if I'm worthy like feeling I get from listening to it. Maybe that's me again projecting right. my own shit. But I've always I was curious listening to this and listening to Save Me and only talk to God when I needed favor. Like, what is your relationship with God? Yeah. And I don't know if that's why it affects me so deeply. Maybe I feel that deep down. Right. But I, I've listened to DMX as a kid. Same thing. I feel now. Like I feel moved. Like man, I feel that way. Yeah. What's well, like to me? I'm just. It's more of a like I call it a sinner's prayer. Is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. My music is just coming to terms with like. As a part of my recovery from the stuff that was killing me, which I don't talk about my recovery much because the recovering purists would say that I'm not sober and I shouldn't talk about it. And I respect those people so much. The people that really almost like they can't live that way. But it's like for me, how I had to get off the codeine that was going to kill me, like Mm. codeine was going to kill me Mm -hmm. for sure. It took like me understanding the need for a higher power. Yep. Like for me personally, and I know it's not for everybody, but I needed to believe that there was something, because Jason, if he's solely in charge, I'm fucked. I'm yeah. in a lot of trouble here. Jason's, he's in a dark spot up here, man. That dude's, that dude's get really, really sad. But it's like believing in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then looking at these people and being like, yo, do we not like, if what y'all are saying is God, and what I'm reading feels a little different than like, my prayer to God is like, yo, if you're who they say you are, 
Is there a spot for motherfuckers like us with you or no? Because yeah. these people are sure making me feel like we're not, you know what I mean? You it's felt like, rejected by yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, you know, so it's like, talk to me, God. Like, are we cool? Yeah. You know what's up with me. Yeah. Like, you know my heart. But also the Bible also says that there will be plenty of people that'll, that he'll tell them, you think you know me, but you don't. Mm. And there will be people that, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so... I always joke that a lot of these pastors going to end up in hell, and I'm going to have a big old mansion with a smoking <laughs> section up there. You know what I'm saying? But I'll be the one with an open bar in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I think God going to do something big for me. I think that humans have a notoriously uh, horrible relationship with power. Mm. And uh, when you put people in power, usually shitty things happen, <laughs> or the worst part of them comes out. Right. And I think that uh, a lot of times religion is used for nefarious intent. Mm. And uh, that doesn't mean that the ideals behind it or the intent that you were talking about, what those people are seeking in it, that salvation, that humility, that inspiration. Right. Like, wow, what if I could be just 10% more like that Jesus guy? Right. What if I could be 15% more? I don't gotta be him, but if I could just increase my kindness a little bit, if I could judge my neighbor a little bit less. Mm. like, And I think it, every time I've been in a church and I've felt that from the people in there, it was beautiful. It, it, it oftentimes wasn't necessarily what the pastor was saying, but it was the people submitting themselves that I found so profound. And I find that even when I go to concerts, as silly as that is, like seeing someone submit themselves to someone else who makes them feel fantastic or feel sad. Oh, yeah. Or feel anything. Right. So I understand your, your feeling about it. And I, maybe... If you had a talk with a pastor, he might be like, yo, you're onto something, bro. Yeah, a few of them. He might, they might be frustrated with the same things you're frustrated man, with. Man, I'm telling you, I've had more pastors reach out since Wits at Chapel and like just like speak out and go, hey, man, you might not, some of these Christian people might be against your message right now, but I think more people are hearing about God through your music than people have heard about God in a long time. And he's like, and I think you're talking to people about God who otherwise would have never heard about him at all. Mm. So them hearing about him in any way is kind of- Because they might feel immediately rejected, kind of like how you felt. For sure. You just automatically feel like, yeah, I don't fit that mold for that that particular thing, you know? And the problem I do have, as you say that, is that the people that are like, Jesus is the only way, I get that. Like, he's the way, the light, I understand the scripture, but- like, you just can't take away my free thought here. Like, you just can't leave me to believe. Like, Jesus is a piece of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of work I need to do. You know what I mean? Like, this, you know, it's just, it's just oh, yeah. irrational at times. I always think about it as like a, it's almost like a life hack, you know? Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, if you kind of do the things that that guy did, yeah. maybe you're experiencing heaven here. Right. Like, if you're helping your neighbor, you actually feel good. Yeah. And they've probably figured that out over a few thousand years. Yeah. And anytime you're either helping somebody, anytime you're, you know, lending a hand or just li lending an ear, just listening, lack of judgment. Like, I feel better yeah. when somebody opens up to me. I feel better. Oh, yeah. I don't know why the fuck that is. Yeah. You know, so maybe the best way to communicate that to the people back in the day was, hey, there's this guy and he lived this exact life and you should try to live a life like that because he's the son of God. And all the while they're going, man, these people are going to really feel better about themselves once they start living this life. Yes. So who knows what it is. Right. But yeah, I kind of look at it as, as life hacks for humanity. There's very few things that I see. And I'm talking about like the old school things. I'm not talking about every single thing in the Bible. I haven't read the Bible, so I can't tell you. But in terms of like living a life like Jesus would live or Muhammad would live, hmm. right? Or... Uh, 
I don't know about Abraham, bro. Right. You know. Yeah, look how little dice you there. Some of the old school yeah. characters, it gets crazy. All that yeah. shit. That's another thing, though, is that, like, I could bore you with this shit, but, like, a lot of that shit that's in the Old Testament, how it even made it. Yeah. When I started getting into that, I was like, yo, this is weird. Like, I'm uncomfortable. Shit with was this. weird back then. Yeah, it was weird, dude. It just, like, they just... It's crazy, kind of. I mean, it's but like, shit was weird. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, if if you look at 3,500 years ago, oh yeah, shit was weird. Yeah, and we're really just guessing. Shit was weird 80 years ago. We used yeah. to put four year olds in a chimney. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's an. There was a four year old walking down the street in blackface because he had soot all over him from just going up and yeah. down a chimney. That yeah. was a normal fucking thing. Yeah. So imagine, my mom used to smoke cigarettes with the windows up in the car. I think about that now. You know what I'm 20 saying? 20 years like, ago, yeah. That, that gave you your raspy was, voice. That's yeah, your yeah, voice. Yeah. That was yeah. like crazy normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think about that now all the time when I'm like, I, I have a song called I Hope Heaven Has a Smoking Section. Yeah. yeah. And I realize the older I get, the more disconnected that song's yeah. going to become to this generation. Because yeah. like, it meant a lot to me because I remember when Shoney's had a smoking section. Why don't they you just vape in heaven? Yeah. 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 It's like, what? People yeah. smoke? You know, but it's just, yeah, fucking awesome, dude. Brother, thank you so much for being here, man. It's awesome to see what's happening with you. It's awesome to see your success. It's awesome to see you thriving in success. Not everybody is built for success, and it looks like you built for it, man. It's so cool to... <laughs> nah, man, it's so cool to see you taking your life seriously, your health seriously, and, like, really pushing, you know? You're not wasting this opportunity that you've earned, but also, I'm sure, a humble guy like yourself would feel like you've been given it, you know? So there's luck that goes into this shit as well. So... It's really awesome to see everything working out. Dude. And I can't wait to see you uh, play where the Titans play, my bro. Oh, we'll be man. at that one. I love y'all, boys. Y'all got to come. Yo, my dream in life was the, uh, we both played our first, like, amphitheater, sheddish venue at the same time down in Dallas, Texas, right? The, uh, Oh, that's Toyota right. Toyota Center. You remember yeah, that? Toyota, Toyota Center, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all played it like a week before me. Yeah. And uh, sold it out. It was such a just big, huge deal. It's the first time I played one that big, too, and... I remember I came and y'all left a bottle of tequila with me. The promoter's like, yo, you know Schultz's team? I'm like, yeah. They're like, yo, Schultz and them left you this tequila. And my dream for all of us is in the next two years that we're on NBA arena tours. Let's do it. We're doing that for each other every fucking night. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Every night we're just grabbing the promoter like, yo, I see Jelly will be through here in like 30 days. Yeah, we got to leave pranks, Put bro. this on. Oh, yeah. He's got to fuck with each other. We'll just make a whole fucking thing about it. Yeah. I love y'all, man. I don't want to get off this pod without telling you how proud of y'all I am. Oh, it's man. been cool. You too, baby. I've been seeing you do your thing thing. Thank you, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, I'm watching all y'all. I almost caught the homie down in Nashville. I missed him. I tried to drag him to a, did he tell you? No, I tried to take him to a if I didn't have to come back for this, oh, I would have been there. Yeah, with you. yeah, I hit him that Sunday like, I, Yo, I hate I missed though. the show last I night. Couldn't. I was like, but I got his backstage at Blink One Eighty Two. I'm coming oh, to get you. He's like, I just fucking sick. laughed. Yeah, but man, I just love y'all, man. I've been watching from afar, dude. It's just like oh, fucking. You know, I stay in touch anyways, but it's just. All boats float, baby. We're Rise coming. We're coming out, man. Love we're coming you, out Jelly to a man. show. Yeah. We love you, dog. Everybody, love go you. check out Jelly Live. Go watch all this stuff on YouTube. Listen to it everywhere. Jellyroll615.com. I think it's just Jelly Roll on YouTube or the real Jelly Roll. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much found, man. You'll see me. Look me up, baby. Jellyroll615.com, though. That's where the tickets are. Get it. These last. Listen, if you fucking live in near Rapid City, South Dakota. 
This one show. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all got y'all shit it. is big. Y'all shit is real big. So listen, this is a big deal. If you live in Rapid City, South Dakota, I am pleading with you to not let this be the only show on this tour that don't sell out. Please, y'all. I'm begging. I'm almost to the point of willing to import people to South Dakota if I have to, because it's like I'm gonna sell out 43 cities in Rapid City, South Dakota. You're fucking the whole fuck sway up of this tour. I need like 35. 500 of you motherfuckers to go buy a oh ticket like today. When's Please. the show? Uh, it's in like a month and a half. It's like September or something. They got plenty of time. Like time. late September. Like, please, y'all. Rapid City, South Dakota. Especially. Go buy a ticket to anywhere. But I think we're going to be okay in most of these markets. But Rapid City, every time I check the ticket count, I'm just like, I know where I'm retiring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 Rapid City, get out there. Jelly Roll, we love you, my brother. Thank God you so much for coming on. Yeah.